welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my goddamn podcast. And my guest today is Molly McAleer, a.k.a. Malls. Uh, Malls is a co-founder of Hello Giggles. She is a writer for TV and the interweb. She hosts three podcasts, Please Advise, Emotionally Broken Psychos, and Mother May I Sleep With podcast. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Malls and... More importantly, you can find her on Snapchat at Malls Official. Holy fucking shit, you guys. If there was ever a Snapchat account to follow, it is Molly McAleer's because she is a master at Snapchat. Uh, I would rather watch her Snapchat than uh, leave my apartment, live my life, interact with human beings, uh, have a beautiful moment uh, (laughs) with with another human thing. Um, Yeah, I don't want to watch movies or TV. My favorite TV show is Molly's uh, Snapchat account. Isn't that how you feel lately? Is Am I alone in that? Thinking that, like, I'd rather watch Snapchat uh, than TV? I don't know. It's, like, something I'm noticing about myself. Um, how dare you? Anyway, uh, yeah, she's constantly, like, reflecting on her thoughts, feelings, um, encounters with, with uh, whoever it is she's having a run-in with. And, uh, man, she's sharp and witty and funny and hilarious and just, like, so vulnerable and brave how she puts herself out there. And you know how I... How I uh, how I know that, why I relate to it, why it touches me so much, because I do the exact same thing. I'm not as good at Snapchat as she is, but I'm working on it. And um, I believe the reason why I have so much love for Molly uh, is because both of us suffer from uh, from the honesty disease. Uh, neither one of us are able to stifle exactly what we're feeling and thinking at any given moment. We are we're just two empathetic, truth-seeking, sensitive souls, constantly feeling our feelings and telling everybody what's what about them. Um, and I will have, uh, you know, I do have to say, as Molly, uh, I'm sure would agree, it is both a blessing and a curse to feel so deeply. Uh, we're both introvert extroverts, where it seems like we uh, are very uh, public people, but we're actually, you know, private and sensitive as well, even though you wouldn't think that immediately. Uh, but hey. Scratch the surface, get to know us. That's who we are. Anyway, you'll learn more during the actual podcast. Um, We go on a tangential journey during this episode. And I know I say that about every single episode, but I truly mean it this time. And it's a long one, but it pays off. I would listen to this episode even if it wasn't my podcast. I actually listened to this episode three times on weird drives uh, to the beach and back again. Isn't that bizarre? I was just listening. I wanted to see if anything needed to be edited out. And uh, anyway, we talk about drugs, being broke at various points in our life, making bad decisions with money. We talk about her working on two broke girls. We talk about life fulfillment. We talk about birth control, dating, dating apps. We dissect reality television to such a point where I feel like even if you don't like reality TV now, you're going to come to the end of this podcast and be like, hey, I'm into reality TV. Sign me up. I got to start watching Vanderpump Rules and the entire Real Housewives franchise. Uh, Did I mention we talk about ghosts? Um, just, we talk about a lot of things. Um, we talk about the Myers-Briggs personality tests. I believe both of us are INFTPs. Is that what we are? Anyway, listen for yourself. It's all revealed during the podcast. And during last week's episode, I talked to uh, children's book author Dallas Clayton. And right after that conversation with Dallas, uh, I had mentioned I was jumping on an airplane to go to New York to meet a guy that I was having a rendezvous, a romantic rendezvous with, and uh, driving from New York to Vermont with him to experience, to experiment with drugs. And uh, I talk about that during this episode with Malls. 
so yeah, this uh, this episode is just a continuation of the narrative uh, I've uh, I have going on about my personal life. Um, does that make sense? I think it does. Anyway, um, I think you and I, you, you you guys out there, I think we should all be friends on social media. Let's take our relationship up a notch or ten, shall we? Come on, we're this far already. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, at Alexi Wasser. You can send emails to the show. Send those to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And I implore you, if you enjoy this podcast, the Love Alexi podcast here at Nerdist, and it makes you happy or laugh or learn stuff or just feel a little bit less alone, uh, whatever it does for you in a positive way, I ask you, I beg of you, Subscribe on iTunes, why don't you? Uh, Leave a comment, rate the show. I know it seems totally annoying and dorky, and I ask you guys every single week, but let me tell you, it's a fucking real thing, all right? I read the comments on on the iTunes. I really do. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I burst into tears before because I've been like, I can't believe it. This thing isn't just going out into the ether. People are actually listening. It's a miracle. I can't believe it. I, too, am not alone. We are all connected. This is amazing. Um, So, yeah. So, after you're done subscribing, leave a comment. Help me grow the show. That way I can keep doing it. You guys can keep listening. I've said my piece. Anyway, I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with Molly McAleer. Now entering Nerdist.com. Holy fucking shit. Look at it. Hey, honey. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, thank you for doing this. Of course. You smell delicious. You smell Hi. Aristotle. I'm Molly. Nice to meet you. Molly. Aristotle. Love that. Sit, sit there. Is that good? Or mm-hmm. no? Or, oh my God. Your doggy is here. I didn't even... Yeah. I I, 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 he's still like recovering. So I don't like to leave him alone. Oh my God. What's your doggy's name? This is Wax. <laughs> he, um, I have like a full construction crew at my house. So... I can leave my other dog there because she's deaf, but, like, he oh. just has too much going oh. on right now, so I don't like to leave him at home. Cause can, I, he... can I touch your dog? Yeah, of course you can. Oh, my God, legs. Wait, so why is this wag shaved on one side? Oh, look, he got look attacked by another dog. Look at that uh, Oh, wags, that's so nice. Yeah, I saw the animals and just people at large and everything. He's not just shaved. He has a broken leg and a, he had a broken jaw, so he oh. he has two plates in his jaw right now. Oh, my God. Wags. But he's like a survivor. He's doing okay. so well. Do you see him? Like he's so like proud on his cast. What kind of life are you living, Wags? Oh my god. So we get a cast change every week. Wags, come sit with me. You wanna sit with me? <laughs> this is this is a love Alexi first. Uh, yeah, so there's a dog. Oh, whoopsies. Uh-oh. I'm probably going to, like, accidentally step on your dog, kick him, no, <laughs> kick no, him no, in no. the face. He, is, he does podcasts with me all the time. Toss him out a window. Oh, my God. Do you, um, do you want your head? This is actually the second podcast we've done since this accident. Oh, really? outside of my podcast. So, yeah, he's, oh he's a pro right now. Wags is the podcasting champion. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to Snapchat this. That's okay. Oh, hi. 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 Oh, wait. Oh, God. I'm just doing it all wrong. Hey, girl. Wags, you're on Snapchat and a podcast. Wags, are you excited For, about that? First dog on the Love Alexi podcast. How you feeling? <laughs> feeling good? Molly McAleer. Hey. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, good. I have this feeling I'm always just going to say uh, names incorrectly. Okay. We are doing this podcast. I'm going to snap you too. Okay. I'm snapping you back, girl. Do I look beautiful? You do look beautiful. It's you amazing. always look beautiful. I'm excited Thank we're you. acquainted in real life now. Me too. Yeah. Um. Let's do this. All right. We're going to do this. Tell me 
everything. Okay, I'm here with Molly McAleer. Mm-hmm. Feeling good, living our lives. Yeah. Get, getting grounded in our truth. I'm so excited for you because th- I think I was actually thinking about this on the drive over. I you and you I like got really, I think, acquainted in real life for the first time around this time last year. Oh, was it around this time last year? I would guess so. I mean... To do your podcast. Yes, but no. But before that, you just started, like, we just started texting, and you texted me, like, hey, let's get, like, bartending jobs. And I was like... yeah. Oh, yeah, because I was, like, freaking out about money. I'm like, what am I going to do? I got to work at, like, Sir for Lisa Vanderpump for some place where we got to make... Oh, I got to make a lot of money. And I didn't know you well, but I was like, (laughs) my legend must, like, perceive me that she... She actually thinks that I could get a job being like a hot bartender. Like I could never, I can't even pull that off. Like as an attitudinal switch, like Fortnite. I can't even slip into that character. So like the fact that you thought that of me was like a very high compliment. I'm oh, like, I love that she thinks I can be a hot bartender. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh my god, how did we meet? And um, Twitter, I guess, but I've known Twitter. of you forever. Oh, tell like, me everything. I love this. It's already great. Well, I'm, I remember first hearing about you through a friend who I think was jealous of you. Oh, that's nice. She what did they say? Mean stuff? Tell me. Yeah, like she was definitely trolling your blog. What? Like, but who is this asshole? I was thinking about this this morning, too. I was like, I bet she and I have this thing in common. Well, I was thinking about all the things we have in common. One, which is I think we might have the same, like, honesty disease, which Uh. is, like, where you're just, like, honest, like, right right away. Yeah. I was like, Alexi was so, like, open with me right away when we met. And then I was like, that really speaks to me. I must be, like, a person that people really want to talk to. And then I was like, no, I think Alexi just is honest with all people the way that I am. I think it's a great thing. Um, Yeah, no, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Um, It's also, like probably my most problematic thing um and then i was thinking about how this so i first heard of you through this girl who was like clearly jealous of you what is her name i, I need a I name tell you. address social security number last three digits on the back of her debit card because then alexi you wouldn't feel free you wouldn't feel comfortable talking shit to me that's and true i want to foster that environment okay, that's true let's feel safe and vulnerable always so, uh, so i was just really like blown away by you and you at that time had just gotten your Showtime thing. Oh, my God. Must you remind me? I can't believe it. Well, I had just gotten my MTV thing at the same time, and yours came out, like, in the trades, and I was like, she beat me. <gasps> I was like, she beat me. That's how I felt about Lena Dunham. I yeah. can't believe it. I was like, but then she <laughs> she took it all the way. Good for her. I love her. Um, Okay. So, wait. So, wait. What was your... Well, we had to finish the story. Bring the story home. Land this plane. I mean, the plane has just landed in that, like, I've known you from afar for a really long time, and then we met... I would say finally I had you started to come into like my world where I'd hear like, Oh, that girl, like I'm Boy Crazy did a Hello Giggles show and I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, what a disaster so then, that was. And then I wasn't there for that and okay, I don't know good. about the legend of that. Or There's whatever. a legend of that? I don't know. Well you always talk about it like something happened to you there. Oh, never and mind. so like I'm like I don't understand what happened. So I know there's a part of the story I'm missing. Okay. But then and then yeah, and then one day I think we just DM'd each other, someone put us on a, tw- a tweet or something. But I was thinking about that on the way over about like how it's weird we didn't know each other for so long, and yeah. now we do. And here we are. Now we do. Um, oh, God. How did I? Okay. So, holy shit. Yeah, because I was a guest in your podcast on Please Advise. Is that the first time I ever met you in real life? I think so, yeah. Holy shit. I can't believe this. Yeah, there's so much I want to talk about, about your book, about Hello Giggles, about Please Advise, about, like, what do you say 
you do like if you're at a party and somebody's like well, what do you do i'm a writer you just uh, say, I'm, I'm writing. yeah i mean i am a writer uh i i mean i know that right i'm writing a tv <laughs> show i sold the tv show to um mtv back um, i don't know in october or something and wait this another show to mtv yeah, this is a scripted show. I had never sold a scripted show before. What was that show? So when when I had the Showtime thing, that was like, oh my god, okay. five, five or six years ago. What was your MTV thing? So you know, like what the Grace Helbig show like turned out to be. It was it was like kind sort of. of gonna be like that, but it was before people knew about internet people. So yeah. it was this abstract idea where I had this like following on Tumblr and this following on Twitter, but like that didn't mean anything. Uh, I don't know. I guess seven years ago. Um, I was like 25 when this happened. So I, it was called the mall's half hour party hour and it like never even got off the ground because it just was this abstract idea and it was unscripted, but it was like a soft unscripted. So I was dealing with people in New York in the scripted department, but yeah. it was an unscripted project, Ugh. which means I got like a $2,500 check. Oh, <laughs> like, no. And like, by the way, I you have no idea like how, like I was so pumped about getting a $2,500 check. Like yeah. that was the most I had ever gotten in one check up until that point in my life outside of like an auto insurance, like claim. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was really, I was like, so I, I still to this day have no self-esteem issues about that check yeah. because I'm like that. I understand what that was historically for me, but it was nothing. So then I don't know if I'm even like, like allowed to talk about this, but I am, I think a lot. Uh, my friend Todd Greenwald, he created Wizards of Waverly Place. We like got together. He sounds cute. Is he tall? Uh, he's really tall. He's 47 <gasps> and married. Okay, and, forget it. Yeah, yeah like, no he thanks. Has a 16 year old and a, uh, no, he has, yeah, 16 year old boy. 19 year old. <laughs> 19-year-old boy who's actually That's adorable. Cool. How That's, tall is he? He's tall, too. He's more your speed. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm but, very youthful. I have a youthful energy. Yeah, so we uh, started to pitch, like, dramas together because I've always wanted to. I'm, like, such a pretty little liar's head and, like, so into I'm just into that one-hour world, yeah. really hardcore. Drama with you seems like such a waste because you're the funniest person Thanks, ever. Girl. It seems insane, I'm, but whatever. I get it. I'm sure you can do it all. I actually, like can't write jokes um yeah it's true um i can't believe i just said that out loud <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out I can, okay no, i can this write could, jokes. this could ruin your entire career just today oh <laughs> no i see I, no. I really struggle with writing hard jokes oh um, my god yeah <laughs> give yeah. her a deal okay so no so then they said to us like yeah this is fine but come back to us with the comedy so we came back with this idea, and it's kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde update set mm. in uh, modern times. And it's really fun. It's a really, really fun script. So we've been writing that, and we're handing in, I guess, the third version of it very soon. Oh, my God. Congratulations. So, yeah, but thank you. But I am a writer. Like, I... That's how I describe myself at parties. 45, yeah. 45 minutes later, here's yeah, your answer. Totally. <laughs> very cool. Very yeah, cool. So. Okay, she's a writer. Um. Oh, man. Well... Oh man, sorry, tangential. I'm so caffeinated right now. I'm so high on caffeine. It's Are you? crazy. I don't know if it's going to be detrimental or if it could just make the entire make the entire podcast. Because what well, time do you wake up? Uh, well, today I was like, God, we have an early 11 a.m. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Wow, crying it on over here. Right. <laughs> I actually had to wake up at 7 a.m. to actually fully be awake and barely make it here on time for our 11 a.m. So are you still podcast. on your first coffee? This is my first coffee. Are you on your 10th? No, I'm on my first too. But I Wags is on his 12th. I know this. <laughs> little man is well he's actually on real life dog xanax right now is he is, 
Yeah, because I decided, like, after the accident, my dog had a horrific accident. Figured after the accident, that would be a good time to, like, integrate a new med. Oh, my God. So, uh, I have him on anti-anxiety meds now, but... Uh, no, I'm on my. I actually slept in today, which was great. My construction crew wasn't at my house early this morning, so I got to sleep in. And I'm now doing just a grande. Just a grande. I, why not? I used to venti it, but like I realized, I was walking around with like a f- half a cup of melted iced coffee and just like throwing them away. And I don't have sinks at my house right now, so I can't like pour liquid anywhere. No sinks. A little bit of backstory on this: you bought a house because what? Because you were one of the founders of Hello Giggles, yeah. right? And it just sold for a hundred billion dollars. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> Tell me about what, what the hell? How did Hello Giggles start? What the fuck happened? Now you bought a house and what? Okay, so I actually it's kind of cool because I started Hello giggles the exact same time that I started writing a spec script to see if I could get staffed on a TV show um, specifically like I really was trying for and wanted to get two broke girls and I did get it and I had been working on this website with my girlfriend Sophia and uh, Zoe de Chanel who like Sophia had introduced me to I guess like six months prior or something and um, it was just I've, I always have, like, five things going because I know most, like, four of them won't work out and one might work out for just a little while. Yeah. So I, it just so happened that, like, I was working on two broke that Two Broke Girls script or the script to get me on Two Broke Girls and Hello Giggles at the same time. And um, it was a lot of work for – there was three years where I was really actively engaged in Hello Giggles and Two Broke Girls at the same time and I had, like, no energy left and – I had, like, blown all my two broke girls' money, like, going on vacations and, like, spas and, like, clothing and, like, oh, yeah, no, because, I mean, when you are... That's a lot of money, though, right? uh, It is. It is a lot. It's relative. It's all relative. Yeah, I do the same thing. There's, like, you know, yes. I mean, my my friend, uh, Courtney Robertson, actually, who I bought my house from, she was on The Bachelor, and one of the things that I love the most about her book that she wrote was she talks about how when she first started as a model, like you start getting these checks and you just think it's never going to go away. Totally, Yeah. And so she's like, my entire career like existed in Louis Vuitton speedy bags in my closet. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Like that's where I was at, where I had all these expensive bags and clothes and vacations and, you know, a decent car. And like, I swear to God, probably Soho House has, like, 50% of my salary. Soho House? Yeah, just from, like, going there all the time. And Are dr- you a member? I was for, like, I. that was one of the first things I quit when I had to get, like, my feet planted on the ground. Yeah. It was, like, it's just unrealistic to be a member of a social club and then on top of that spend $16 a drink, especially when you, you're an Irish girl who can, like, drink. Yeah. Like, I can drink. So oh, I was, like, I think that, I. yeah, I mean... My li- I was living at, like, Sunset and Doheny. My life just went from being Koreatown and being broke to, like, this blown-out situation. And it was a- it was too much for me to handle, and I stepped away from all of it. Like, I couldn't – I decided I couldn't do the show anymore. I decided I couldn't be an active role in Hello Giggles anymore. And I had created – you know, I had created this site, so I felt – satisfied with what my my contribution had been. I had basically, like, programmed the site. You did? Well, yeah. I mean, I was the editorial. Oh, my God. So, uh, like, yeah. my... It was... Well, I mean, yeah. But who else would have done it? I'm just sounding excited. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm yeah. just blown away by you is all. Sorry. No, girl. No, no, no. It's fine. I just... Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, that was, like, my first 15 girlfriends were like was, like, the basis of Hello Giggles. And then from there, we started to really collect contributors from all over. Anyway... 
I was like a year ago this time, you were texting me saying like, let's get waitressing jobs. Like, yeah. I was dating a guy I had met. He was the first person I had swiped on Tinder. Oh, you were post breakup too. I don't know if you I want was, to talk about that. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about that? Uh, we don't have to. No. I mean, why? Yeah. No, we don't have to talk about that. No, we don't have to talk about uh, that. How dare you guys? This is a, that was a test. Okay. <laughs> we, no. Uh, okay. So Tinder, we're both like kind of broke, freaking out about our lives, wanting to feel fulfilled. Yeah. And then I'm like, we should just work at, at, uh, yeah. at some club on La Cienega or work for Lisa Vanderpump. And then in late September, I got a call from like the COO of Hello Giggles. I don't even, I've never asked if I'm allowed to tell a story, but like, what are they going to do? Like, sell the company? I know, literally, you. You find me in the hills. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm no, I, seriously, like, seriously, like, look for me out in the desert somewhere. <laughs> but no, I, um, yeah, so I, um, got a call from the COO saying one day, like, hey, we are selling the site and we need to get your wiring information. Wiring? What's that? Like, where they wire the money. Oh, And I was like, oh, okay. Like, it it was really crazy because I had always known in the back of my mind, I have complete confidence in my business partner, Sophia. Like, I always knew that she understood the business angle and she had a very clear vision and she had the right people around her to help execute that vision. And, um, I always knew there was a really good possibility that the site would sell. I just wasn't counting on it cause I know better than account on literally anything. What, you're referring to Sophia Rossi. Yeah. My, yeah. She was, uh, it was Sophia Rossi, Zo- uh, Zoe Deschanel and I, and, um, so I, you know, always thought, oh, there's a, a good chance the site could sell, but I didn't know it would. Uh, which was really fucking cool. And then I had a little bit of cash, so I bought a house. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you were going to potentially adopt my cat, but... So I, guess, but- I have now I have a pit bull, Helen, and I am already dealing with a situation where with my dog got, got attacked by another dog out on the street. Wags Listen, got attacked. I don't need your bonehead excuses. Just kidding. No, I don't need. I don't. Need I would my, love to. I no, just can't. I already. I have three my, somebody already adopted my cat. Is what I'm trying to say. I saw that on Snapchat and I was kind of hurt. I, what? I, <laughs> I was like, I have not heard from her. I don't want to put any pressure. No, this is like the craziest thing. So I had a cat. This is a backstory for the listeners. If anybody out there uh, cares, but. uh yeah, so I have this kitty. His, his name is Kitty, and I love him, and I've had him for, like, nearly three years, but he's so much to handle, and he was just, like, I was, like, in this weird codependent relationship, um, like you are with Wags right now. I know. <laughs> why, did you, why did you get a cat, and why can't you keep him? Um, because I'm a heartless monster, a selfish no, no, beast. No, um, well, because he was just, like, meowing all the time, and then I would, like, you know, I'm single, and I would bring, like... This is not because of men or like my need to have sex with, with strangers, right. but uh, but uh, but I would bring guys over to my house, and it would. That's when shit would get way weird. It would be like the kitty would be like nonstop meowing, sticking his paw under the door, like shaking, rattling the door. Like yeah. he got to the point where he could un he could like put both paws on the handle of the door and like open. It was just scary. It was like kitty. It was just like a horror film. Yeah, and, yeah and I was yeah. like I was like oh my god, I'm in a codependent relationship with my cat. I'm so embarrassed, and I would be telling you know guys who would come over. Or whatever, I'd be like, he's never usually like this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I no, swear to God, oh, like yeah, it was classic. because yeah, it was like uh, he just meowed so much and was scratching and biting me, and wanted to go outside, and then he did get out and he fell in love with out going out. I don't know. Uh, this is a story I'm following. Wags is the ultimate cock block. I totally really? know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I mean animals just are, especially when they're like little animals. I'm surprised with the cat because cats are usually, usually much like a dog. more openly hate their owners. You know, oh, like, he lo- it's like cute. I don't even. I'm saying I'm so caffeinated. I'm just like imploding right now. But uh, 
he was just biting me and just the meowing. I, I can't express it because people will be like, you're a monster. You adopted a kitty and then you're just abandoning your cat. No. But here, here's the great thing that happened. So I started letting him out because he he decided he fell in love with outdoors and then it turned into a whole other relationship where he'd be like scratching at the door, wanting to meow and uh, meowing and biting me to get outside. Then he'd go outside for hours and then he'd just like meow and to, to let him back in. So we had this new relationship where now he's an outdoor cat and my, even my therapist was like, listen, if he gets hit by a car, it doesn't matter. He's going to go, he go out with a bang. Oh. This is like uh, he's got to live his life, whatever. My, so my downstairs neighbors and everybody in the neighborhood kind of fell in love with my cat. Yeah. And and then my downstairs neighbors were like, hey, are you still trying to find somebody to adopt your kitty? We'd love to adopt him. So now my downstairs neighbors have adopted my cat. And so Kitty still like meows at my door and will come over and say hello. But now he's not my responsibility. So now it's like we've got a communal Kitty situation happening. Where That's I feel ideal. I feel like I can breathe again. Yeah. But he's not. So, you know, there you go. That's, he's their problem now. And he's still in my life. So That's really ideal. Long story longer. Everything's fine. And everything. Yeah. So he's still in my life. Do your neighbors know about your Internet presence? I think so, and I hate that. I know. It's I was so uncomfortable. Say, I'm so embarrassed because, like, I <laughs> even like I, I don't know. I'm in an apartment. I was always embarrassed, but I there's like you just have no ownership over an apartment. So, yeah. but I am like very very aware that my neighbors can hear me like snapping to talking myself to yourself. Your Snapchats. Your Snapchats. We got to get into that. I love the medium. It's you like my do. favorite. I love Snapchat. Don't you love Snapchat? I'm so bad at it compared to you. Wait, where can we find you on Snapchat? Mal's official. Girl, you are really good on Snapchat. And in fact, some like person singled us out. Did you see that? Some person tweeted. Oh my God, you're so right. What did they say? They were like, no one has a more consistent Snapchat than like at Alexi Wasser and at Mal's. Yeah. We were both, we were lumped in as consistent. Yes. <laughs> that guy knows what he's talking about. It's but. but but you're so you're nonstop. You are like living your like. What's your goal with Snapchat? Because you're like living your life. You're talking to the people. I'm laughing constantly. It's like I feel like that's my new favorite TV show. Is like your Snapchat channel. Oh yeah. You know, like it's your own network. Like, oh, kind yeah. of. You're like totally. Uh, no. Um. <laughs> you know, I've actually just like started soft emailing my agents or people, being like, so like, is there anything I can do with the medium because. I'm putting all this content out there. I don't, you know what, my, it's, I'm just, I just love it. I just love, Yeah. I just love it. I used to love Twitter in this way back in the day. Hi, Wags. Yeah. I used to love Twitter in this way back in the day where I was, you know, tweeting like this huge, like just stream of consciousness all day. That's and then, what I do. I go back and forth. I'm, I'm back to that now. When I'm really happy and in love and excited about life and feeling very sharp, I'm, I'm constantly on Twitter. When yeah. I feel, when I feel more desperate, I notice I'm posting more on Instagram. Really? Yeah, like more pictures to be like, I just want to see who likes this, or I need to cry for help, you know. But you know, anyway. I'm the exact opposite. Really? Like, when I when I'm depressed, I like don't want to be. I don't want to be seen on Instagram. That's why I also like Snappy because there's this impermanence to it. Where with an Instagram, I feel like. See, Twitter and Instagram have gotten kind of refined at this point where people – there's enough people on it and there's enough of a dialogue about it that people are super discerning about what they accept as content and what they put out as content. Okay. And I feel like Instagram is meant to look beautiful yeah. and Twitter is meant to be funny or insightful. And sharp, yeah. And then Snapchat is just that place in between where you can do that, like, dump where it's like – That dump. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm fucking trying on my Kylie lip – but yes. I was doing my Kylie lip kits or like, you know, um, if I, I'm not going to like chronicle over 14 
like tweets me getting a dead bird out of my house, but that is the perfect thing to snap. So what did I hook into? Okay, so I watched your uh, you trying your Kylie lip kit, which was ridiculous. Just these like totally wearable, non-wearable lip things. And uh, Skyly is out of control. Skyly is like this weird, intense uh, blue lipstick. Yeah, um, she colored it after her Ferrari. Like it, it's color matched to her Ferrari. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, we got to touch on Vanderpump Rules. We got Real Housewives of New York. Wags is excited, feeling good. Um, oh fuck! Oh, and another thing. I watched you looking for a towel rack in your house. Yes. Whatever happened with the towel rack debacle? I I found the towel rack. Um, I found the towel rack. I got actually my workers involved because like I... Your workers? Well, my construction guys. Like so Javi and Francisco are like secondary workers. Like Francisco is kind of out there, but like Javi is constantly on the fence about whether Javi is going to stay a part of the team or not. Yeah. And Javi, like he's in a dabbing like he is that like is that like huffing like oil like like weed oil what's huffing oh wait Uh, dabbing dabbing it's like when they i do drugs now so i can totally relate because i just got back from a trip of doing drugs did you see that i've done 2cb too did anything happen to you actually i threw up in my bed after i did 2cb at beyonce beyonce like i completely threw up you're so close to beyonce you call her beyonce beyonce Beyonce. nothing happened nothing happened i did 2cb nothing by first i took i did it with a chemist i took an anti-nausea medication yeah then i did 2cb nothing happened and then i did uh god oh god some kind of synthetic psilocybin nothing what is psilocybin i was wondering when you were talking about that that. that's like the drug that oh my god i'm gonna say all this wrong but that's like it's like mushrooms like that's what makes mushrooms like psychedelic psilocybin i was gonna say it sounds like an antibiotic and that's why okay um so i had the same exact experience with my best friend ed who when after we went to beyonce we you do like I, my experience with 2CB is that you do Molly and then you do 2CB How did you end up doing 2CB? How do you even know what it was? I have I've a, never heard of it. I have a friend who's pretty involved in the psychedelics community. Uh, who? I can't say his name because he's like a respected person. Okay. And, but, but he is like, you know, the best thing you can do if you want to do drugs is get a rich, smart person involved. Sorry, that's my dog. Can you, is that, are the mics picking that up? Listen, Wags. Listen, you. No, he's totally great. I feel so bad when he tries to scratch himself through his cone because it's like you just know he's never getting that relief. It just goes on forever. I get. I try to get in there. You try to get in there. Aerosol's got this. Aerosol's so nice. He is the nicest. He's 24. Oh, no way. How cute is he? Yeah. I wouldn't say you look older, but you look like a real man. How beautiful is he? Guys didn't look like that when I was 24. Are you sure? They just weren't manly like that. Like, Aristotle's a man. Uh, Is he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know he is, but emotionally not maybe because you know him better no he's uh he's quiet and kind i don't know what's lurking beneath that surface i try to find out a little more every week <laughs> we're getting closer though i can tell um, i love that <laughs> don't you think aristotle what what the fuck was that <laughs> oh my god he's, he's like my producer christina lopez like a web of secrets like he's who knows what se- he does at his house like you don't want to know a web I'm of goddamn secrets i think that you don't want to know what Aristotle's all about. Oh, well, the guy I am currently <laughs> in love with thinks that Aristotle's in love with me, but I and I'm like that is not true. Really? Aristotle, are you in love with me? Someday. He's it making like, a, that's make, like a someday sort of thing. He's making like a sour face. Wag says uh <laughs> I've chaos has erupted. But so I was going to say if you have CB. a rich get a rich friend who cares about drugs or alcohol and you will like never get a hangover and you will be do superior drugs. So like my one friend is super smart, very rich, and he 
gets people, he gets these drugs from, like, the finest possible sources, and then he also runs tests on all of them. So you know exactly what's in whatever you're taking. I wonder if you're talking about the same guy that I did drugs with. No, because this guy is not. He's a chemist. No. Okay. Okay. No. Okay. Um, So anyway, he told me he was the one who got me to first do, like, really, like, superior Molly, and then from there... Um, he said, you know, there's this new drug, 2CB, that's like the perfect bridge after Molly. Because, you know, when you're at a show and you do – have you ever done Molly at a, a show? A long time ago when I was like in my teens and early 20s. So I've been like – this is like a big deal that I might my foray like back into drugs. Right. And uh, it's kind of scary because now I've like broken down the fear wall again. Because there's like a wall of fear that keeps you from doing drugs when you're younger when you're like, just say no, just say no. And then I broke past it. Then it rebuilt. It rebuilt the wall. And now I'm in. Now I'm like, I got to do DMT now. I got to like fucking, you know, I want to feel something. Well, you're dealing with more high quality psychedelics and more like refined psychedelics, which I think is what separates you as an adult from mm-hmm. your teen self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, Tell me more. No, I, I, so Molly, like after a certain point, if you're, especially you're at a show, like let's say you take it an hour before the show starts, um, you ha- hit like a wall, like three quarters of the way through the show and you're like I'm not high anymore I wish I was still high this kind of sucks and that's when a rookie makes the mistake of taking another molly and then they're on they're fucking rolling till 2.30 in the morning yeah uh, 3 in the morning so my friend I almost said his name told me that you should start taking 2CB after because it gets you (laughs) over that bridge and it's just like really nice it's a really nice come down of visuals and I had had that experience when I went to see Kanye do uh, 808 and heartbeats at the uh, bowl. And then I went to Beyonce and I was like, oh, same deal. It's going to be the same. Yeah. First of all, I was way too close to Beyonce to be like that fucked up. I was too close. Like I, the water was like almost splashing, you know, when she dances what? in the water. There's water? There's there's this whole segment where she dances in the water, like okay. dances in the whole stage is flooded. It's just sexy and cool. Yeah. And like the water is basically like about to hit us. And I'm sitting there going like, this is way too close for me to be so fucked up. I'm never going to remember this the way I should have. Yeah. I'm on drugs right now, but uh, that's how I, went, how I felt. I went to an uh, Italian restaurant and I saw Madonna, and I had one glass of wine, and then Madonna was there with Gwyneth Paltrow, and I was so bummed that I was uh, I had had a, a glass altered? of wine. I, I didn't like the fact that I was altered in any way from my uh, my Madonna sighting. That is truly a good one. Where were you? Where were you? Giorgio Baldi. Okay, fabulous. It was. When um, was this? What era? So long ago. It's like five years ago when she was really good friends. No, wait, no, almost ten years ago. Maybe eight years ago. Oh my god, I riveting love that. podcast fodder. No. <laughs> oh, this is that is a really important time in LA. <laughs> okay, right. Oh my god, nobody can see Molly's dog Wags just like living his life in the studio, walking around. He never wants to be away from me, and now he, with a cone on his on his head. Yeah, he never wants to be away from me, but for some reason he's demanding to be on the floor right now, which is interesting. So you're at Beyonce, water splish splashing all around. You're on two CB. You're like, I'm too close to Beyonce. Then what? And then I decided to take my friend's 2CB because he didn't want it. And that was my fatal error. So how many milligrams do you think? Like 40 milligrams? Enough. Like my friend came over and he like weighed it out in front of me the day before, which I get, I don't know about you. Like if I see a scale, I get nervous. Like that is too drugsy for me. (gasps) My friend, the chemist did this thing and I was like, wow, I'm good. I'm in good hands here. This is very cool. And then then all of a sudden like the addict in me, like the drug addict in me was like, get away from my drugs. Don't breathe on my drugs. Don't sneeze on them. Like you'll blow the powder away. Like all of a sudden I was like licking the paper they're on and like eating it. (laughs) 
it's like, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn, girl. No, I love that. I, I'm going to be fine, everybody. I used to love drugs. I've actually had Molly and 2CB since Beyonce. I've had like two more of each in my, um, I put a mini bar in my room. I just like went to the Fancy website. Fuck. Okay. I went to the website where you buy mini bars like for hotels oh and I bought God. one for my room because oh, no. I was like, I just always wanted like, water and then like I keep like um mm-hmm. I keep like weed and I keep like my snacks like in the top drawer. It's yeah. just it's awesome. I can't recommend it enough. So I've had Molly in my mini bar fridge for like <clears throat> two months now. And like I don't know, two years ago, like that would have been gone. Like yeah. I would have impulse done that on a Thursday just like to I don't know, like mix things up so yeah. like the fact that I haven't done that I'm like maybe I'm not really a drug addict maybe I'm just growing up yeah. like maybe you're an adult maybe I'm an adult now because I can have Molly in my house and not even feel any temptation to do it in fact trepidation about it you do yeah, yeah I, mean, I still have tons of fear it was a big deal I tried it and the fact that nothing happened when I tried the drugs was like insane I think that's amazing though because I think that I I really was like Ed you are Molly like you are Molly like my best friend Ed because he didn't he didn't feel anything either. And I was like, you're just living. That's how I am. I'm a guru. I I'm already so. at the place. I'm at the, I'm, I'm where I need to be. Like, I think no psychedelic so. can take me there because I'm, I'm living there. You right? have a really high energy for like frequency. And I've noticed that about you, but like, really? I, cause well, I was so proud of you today when I was driving over here. Cause I was just like, wow. Like a year ago, Alexi was like, te- like texting oh a virtual God. stranger about getting a bartending job. <laughs> like not only were you and I, close in your mind but we were so close <laughs> that we were gonna get bartending jobs together and uh y- you just were like right away like I-, I love people like that like that is my jam like i only want to be around people that just like pick up and are like hey what are we gonna do <laughs> yeah. um you said you're weren't you having financial weirdness too totally okay, totally good. i also really love just like deep texting like faceless like emotionally deep texting people totally i don't know i feel like safe and i feel like it's okay and then i realized oh god not everybody's like that but i felt no. like yeah, i did feel like a kinship with you like you can handle it especially like looking at your snapchats you're out there you've got a lot to say <laughs> you're emotionally vulnerable you don't give a fuck and i'm like she gets me this girl but yeah so you're proud of me why i'm just proud of you because <laughs> i like from where we were this time last year or maybe even a little bit longer ago last year it just i'm just really like i'm really proud of you for everything that you've done and i was like i can't believe we're driving to alexi's podcast it's on like a legitimate network that i'm sure you're making money from this somehow and i just very like proud of you for that thank you i mean i did a podcast for you know i did like 50 50 episodes of please advise and i think my grand cash total takeaway from it was 62 dollars like when i I had done like up to my first 50 episodes so like to the fact that you are doing this in, in an established place and and she's talking um, about Nerdist, very yes. cool, very cool. No, I'm yeah, Nerdist very, is very. I'm cool. so proud. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, Wags is like, let me out of here. I gotta get out. I gotta get on the outside. Wags, he's like, this is a, such a bizarre attitude <laughs> shift for him because he normally just wants to sit on me. Um, I'm actually, yeah, that's crazy because I was. Uh, I don't know what happened. I feel like I I can relate to you talking about having having money and then spending it like it's always going to be there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And I was like, holy shit, this is insane. What the fuck am I going to do? I had to like kind of figure out what I need in my life, uh, get rid of all the things I don't need, realize what I what's actually important. Yes. And then luckily, yeah, I started booking more commercials, 
this happened, the Nerdist podcast, which is like more like a life fulfilling, wonderful thing. That's like, yeah, it's good. like, and then commercials and whatever and jobs. But uh, I'm so glad I got to this point because I'd never experienced that before. I'm not like a rich kid. I don't come from like a, a lot of money or yeah. anything. But I did make a lot of money like doing commercials and through acting. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how lazy I was and how just like. I was just took it all for granted. Yeah. So the fact that I got to a point where I'm like, oh, Trader Joe's, I can eat for a week, you know, for like $30 at Trader Joe's. Like, and then uh, I'm trying to live like that still now where I'm like, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And I'm kind of trying to like, even though I am making money again, trying to live my life like uh, I could be broke at any minute because that's a, like a terrifying feeling. Yes. That feeling is real. So it's, it's made me like a better person and more like uh, – like I can relate to the majority of people in the world in do a weird you, LA white girl kind of way. Do you wish that if you like you could go back and had had that initial success? I would have saved. Oh my god, I would have saved money and like, been so much smarter. I did exactly what you did, spending all this on all this bullshit, all this fuck. Even I managed to like overspend and all my money at like Forever Twenty One. Right, just right. like I was. <laughs> <laughs> like forever 21 at the Beverly Center and just spend like – and Target. I lose my money at Target. Right. Spending $400 at Target on like – That's why what? I'm like passionate about talking to the youth about Postmates. Like it, they don't realize like you can uh, – people don't know. You can't afford Postmates. Yeah. Like you cannot afford it. Like, I wouldn't even dare. I, I don't I'm know. not even going to go there. You better have $5 million liquid in the bank if you're going to use Postmates. Like liquid. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't use Postmates. Yeah. I don't know anyone who can afford that. You're out of your fucking mind. They're taking advantage of you. Yeah. You can't afford Uber. In fact, you can't afford to not Uber, but you cannot afford Postmates. And that is the difference. Smart money. Here's what I'm excited about because I lease a car and I couldn't get out of that. I couldn't get out of my lease. Right. My three-year lease. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to keep that going. And then you get the insurance for the lease. My lease is up. Uh, this is riveting again, but next February. So I'm excited to do this experiment to see if I can spend less money only Ubering and walking. Yeah. As opposed to, but what if I, what if I have to go to Santa Monica? What if I've got to do a long job? And I love driving. I love listening to the radio in my car. I don't like talking to Uber drivers. I feel like I could get murdered by an Uber driver, even though I'm like six feet tall and whatever but uh, i think that you i think that that's really smart to hold on to it i know a lot of people who want to get rid of their cars but you're right it there's also like the sanity that that will buy you to take a day trip out of la is like so great so you think i should have my own car i think you should have one in the garage if you need it in the garage or you should or you know what you should live a walkable distance to a, a rental center because it's 35 dollars a day to rent an enterprise car and oh. if you can just like go down to enterprise and rent a car for 35 bucks like I'm going to try this whole experiment without having a car for like a month, see how I feel. Yeah. If it feels insane and it's just as expensive as having a car and insurance, you know, I'll, I'll keep everybody updated on the thing. Leasing is silly, though. You got like Ugh. you got to buy. I got to buy. I, maybe. OK. All right. It'll help your credit. And also then, you know, you have an asset like you can always sell that if you need to. Oh, that's true. Learning things left and right. I know. But I should have saved my money when I was younger. I was such a fucking fool just buying all this shit that you don't need. Yeah, but like if you so let's say you like if you could start over, if you could press a button mm-hmm. and have all of the success you had when you were initially like I don't know like twenty one or something, mm-hmm. if you could take that and delay it till now, and I don't know where you would have been the last ten years, would you do that? Delay it till now? Yeah, I would have. I I don't want to delay it till now, but I would have made better choices back then. Yeah. I, I think just, that a lot. Yeah, I would have just you know, just I don't need anything. You know, just like be, very, you know, I need nothing. Just the spending, the spending, trying to like fill some weird like 
uh, emotional hole in my, you know. It's also embarrassing to have been in my 20s in L.A. Like, I spent all of my 20s in L.A., like, just doing the embarrassing human growing pains that we all live through. And I feel like that is attached to everything in my life now. Like, what do you mean? I don't know. I think I take growing up, I think I take it harder than most people do. Like, I'm super, super embarrassed about, like, anything embarrassing I've ever done. But isn't it all over the internet and on Snapchat, potentially? I mean, you yeah, put out that, that compounds it. Like, that definitely makes all of it a lot worse. Really? That there's a public record of my sloppy, embarrassing, messy 20s. I mean, I can't, I can't, and I probably wouldn't take it back. I If the alternative was, like, me living in Massachusetts and working at a Dunkin' Donuts and then, like, all of a sudden blowing up on Twitter at age 32 and, like, having a viable career. Like, yeah. I don't know if I could handle that either. Yeah. But it's, like, that's a lot to live with. Like, that is what I think about during commercials of Real Housewives. Like, I think about, like, what my life would have been if my 20s weren't so messy, documented, and, like, if I could just ungo, like, if I could go back and unmeet everyone I've met, or, like, un, or, like, have an opportunity to, like, redo those connections, or, like, times I went to parties that I didn't want to be at and wasn't comfortable at and met someone, and that was my only chance to give them a first impression, and it was in a compromised situation that I didn't even want to be in. Yeah. I think you need all those times, though, because you learn from all that stuff. And every, like, and now even today, it's like a new opportunity to, like, run into that person that you know who thinks that they have an idea of you and just to, like, try it a different way or just not care about it and and go, oh, let it go. It doesn't matter. Everything's exactly how it's supposed to be. Or, uh, wax. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, Yeah. But I mean, my God, the people I've had sex with. The things I've, like, the weird things I've probably done or said when I was, like, wasted at parties in my 20s. Wags is scratching. It's no big deal. I can go get him. No, I'm sorry. it's totally no, let fine. let me pick him up because Aww. he just, I, he needs, he's not getting satisfaction. Hello, baby. There's no satisfaction. Ah, oh, my God. I, I'm going to hurt your dog. Oh, my God. It's I'm okay. fully, like, going to hurt your dog. I know. He feels more fragile than he is. Oh. He's fucking sturdy as hell. Um... Sorry, if oh, you no. can go back and sleep with people. No, I'm just saying, like, uh, like I've done so many things where it's like, and I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so I'm like constantly driving past things that mean, uh, like, like if I pass, like if I'm on Highland and Hollywood Boulevard, I've had crazy experiences, like as a as a kid, Teen- as a teenager, yeah. as a twenty something. Like every every place in Los Angeles is like a a coming of age landmark for me. Yeah. So, and then, but like life keeps going and I needed all this experience in my twenties to learn. And what can I do now? I'm in therapy and I can just be nice and forgive myself. And it's like this constant, like, uh, you know, life practice. But, uh, Oh, a weird thing that happens is like a tangential aside, like this entire conversation is, but, uh, it's fine. When I was in Vermont doing, trying to do drugs, like I ingested drugs, it just did not work. The conversation I got in with my friend who like, who has a whole life of like, his whole life is about like trying drugs and learning about them and whatever, uh, was that like, I was interested and glad I had the opportunity to to do these drugs with him because I felt safe because he's a master at what he does. He's like a, uh, so I felt safe to do them with him. But ultimately I prefer not doing drugs because I like walking through life kind of I'm not sober I I drank alcohol but like yeah but I I also like like it's so hard to live our life you know it's like it's like and being sober through it and like walking through it is is such like a difficult thing it's a practice like to confront to to handle things you tweeted something a while ago that I thought was so 
deep oh, and it what? like challenged me. What? It was something like it was something like if you don't know what to say in a situation, like the best thing is to say nothing. Like yeah. sort of like you were basically like it was a very oh. it was a very general thought, but like I it really challenged me because um you know, I also find that in certain situations, like you can't win where like if you if you bite your tongue, like people might think you're a bitch or people might think for me, I shut down because I'm I'm super shy. You are? I am the most shy person in the entire world. I'm very comfortable with you because I, I feel like you have a very open heart, but I'm the most shy person in the world, which is why I think, well, I know it's why, like I drink too much at parties. Like I know oh, yeah. why. I'm like cripplingly shy. So, um... I think that, you know, like there's I that can be misinterpreted as bitchiness a lot. And there's been certain situations where like in work one time, I remember not knowing what to say. I didn't know what to say. And my boss fully was like, why are you being such a petulant bitch? And I realized like, oh, like I I, it's really hard to win. I think if you're a woman, but there and a person. But there is something to this. Like, I think the thing that that tweet really like challenged me to acknowledge is that life is all about handling things with grace and that is what the exercise of walking through life sober really forces you to master is grace because you don't have those typical you don't have anything to lean back on in a situation when you're sober like you have to fully be you have to be fully self-reliant in a machine basically I think that's so that that yeah that tweet actually really really like I jammed on that girl. Well, thank you. Well, well, there was, I was spending time with this person who's really quiet all the time. And then when I would be quiet with him, I felt like there was like a lot of expectation for me to fill the silence with talking where he would look at me and I was like, and I had to say, why do I have to say something? Why, why is it okay if you say nothing? But why, why is there this like a, because it was a real thing. I felt why is this the, uh, the expectation on me to speak and, uh, where am I going with all this? Oh, but when, and when I was talking to him, because it's the same person I did drugs with, but I was talking to him and I went, ultimately, like, you know, I love the fact that he experiments with drugs, that he's, uh, that he learns about them because he's a chemist or a scientist, whatever it is, that's his work. But as a human being in the world, I think it's like such a, what I think is interesting is to like, I'm constantly trying to learn how to like harness what I put my attention on. Like, like when I'm just, you know, like today or when when I'm living my life and I'm not fucked up and... I'm not. Ugh, I'm rambling, but uh, it that's is what podcasts are. But it's but it's an interesting thing to like. It's true. It is what podcasts are. But uh, I like the challenge of being like, oh God, I'm miserable today. Oh my God, how do I get out of my uh, my bad mood or my depression? I'm like in a weird like emotional spiral. How do I get out of this? Okay, I'm going to do this. And like, I like talking to myself and doing cognitive behavioral therapy and like mm-hmm. figuring out like, okay, if I'm obsessing about this guy or this thing or what that person meant when they said that thing or what it means when they looked at me that way how can i take my energy and put it on something else that's more productive for me and like that's that's interesting to me like kind of like getting a handle on my brain and taking control over my brain reading books like the untethered soul i don't know if you ever read that book no. but it's all about like kind of like stepping back and getting behind your thoughts and going okay this is like classic alexia i'm i'm having my spiral freak out about thing but i am not those thoughts i'm just the observer behind them and kind of like getting a mastery of like how my brain works is fascinating to me as opposed to like I'm not a chemist I'm not a scientist I'm not like my life is not about working with drugs so for me if I take drugs or if I drink I always ask myself why am I doing that 
Is it for the experience? Am I trying to dull myself? Am I checking out of life? Is it because I can't handle the situation? Am I insecure? Am I, am I at a party with famous people and I don't feel enough? Like, right. So I'm constantly like, anyway. So that's my my rant on all that on all that shit. So uh, your therapist must be really proud of you. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, I feel like if I was your therapist, that would be a very satisfying thing to hear. Well, it's it's still a work in progress. Like, I even had a I emergency called him yesterday, and I was like. I was like, I'm thinking about how this person said this thing to me, and I want to know if I should call him and bring it up and and bring up all the things. He's just like, just. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm. It's. It's. I always want to talk about things with everybody and talk about how I'm feeling, what it all means, and yeah. analyze, analyze, analyze. And sometimes that doesn't help; makes things worse. And you just have to go. I'm. The, I. I've got to let it go and then handle it internally. It definitely makes everything that. worse. I know it does. It do you does. think? I think well, bringing it up, analyzing, and bringing I, it up with it, another. Yeah, I mean, I find that like because that just distracts from your gut instinct. Like I used to have a friend who. I could just tell, like, whenever she would ask me about a scenario that I was maybe number six in line of 24 people that she would ask about the same scenario. And, oh, like, yes, that's and me. it's like you're, you're so muddied on this one thought. Like, you have all these conflicting opinions that are really just based in other people's projections based on their own experiences. And, like, none of that is valid. Yeah. And while, like, you know, someone can sometimes like summarize something for you in a way that's really insightful and and bring new eyes to it it's never like it's never the absolute truth the only absolute truth is what hasn't even happened yet yeah you know you have to like follow your own intuition and make a decision yourself gut instinct is so key anytime i haven't listened to gut instinct i've been fucked like yeah yeah. i I do that i I always invite everybody into my life and i I, that's another thing i've got to stop doing where i've I've got to stop like asking for other people's opinions because it does muddy the water wait are you single now I am. You I'm are? like not even trying to date. Like I don't even Are you on Tinder? I am on Tinder, but I just haven't opened I have all these like I you know, like I'll go through I'll like have like a nice buzz on or something some night and be like, you know what? So right now I'll just like do some swipes. And yeah. then, so then I start to collect the matches and then the messages happen and I never check back in. So like there's all these like one sided conversations Stop happening bragging. on my Tinder. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, because it's so hard to get matches on Tinder. It is so difficult to exist as a female and get matches on Tinder. That's all we get. Are you matches. on Raya? I am on Raya. Me too. I've actually met some cool people on Raya. Um, oh, you do you date women at all? No. Wags no. is like, oh, that's kind of homophobic, Wags. Wags, Wags fully wishes I dated women. He has such a problem with the grunt, like straight male energy. He hates it. Um, so did is, Kitty. That's why I had to get him out of there because I chose men over Kitty. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I had a friend who chose her couch over her cat. Like She had this cat for like six years and the cat took a shit on it. No, she had this cat for like six years and, the, and she bought a $3,000 couch and then the cat took a shit on it and oh. she like fully just got rid of her cat. Oh, my God. And like... <laughs> I don't know. Like that was pretty low to me. Like I've really tried to figure out how I how I feel about this in a way that's not judgmental toward my friend, but I haven't found it yet. Is this the friend who was mean about me? <laughs> no. Just wondering. It all no. comes full circle. No. <laughs> that jerk. Um I know. I just want her to love me. I I, I don't think friend. she was being mean about you. I think it's like very obvious she was jealous. What did she say? None of my business. I don't even care. She just I uh, know. I think that it's that I think it's that <laughs> 
especially <laughs> when you had your Showtime thing, you were doing, like, it was just, there was a lot of videos of you being a confident sexual person, and I think that that is very alarming. Alarming! To, I think that that can be very alarming for insecure women. I think that seeing another woman be secure in her sexuality or appear as secure, which, like, I'm sure you're going appear. on the journey yeah. that I go on whenever someone's like, wow, you're a really secure person. I'm like, I feel so bad that I've done things that have led you to believe that. Oh. It's not true. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not about you, but I will say that I think that you came across very um, like clear and confident in your message, and that freaks people out, especially people that wish they could do that or want to be perceived as sexy or want to be perceived as someone who uh, is maybe not those things. Maybe they're just disturbed by it because it like highlights their own reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying this this person's not, like, a sexually pious individual. Like, I think that they probably were doing exactly what you were doing, except didn't have the ingenuity to film it. Well, uh, on a side note, you said you were, you were, uh, you're cripplingly shy. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? And I, I feel like I can be that way, too. Some, I can be, like, introvert, extrovert. I know cripplingly shy is different from introvert, but, uh. Isn't it interesting? You put yourself out there so hardcore on the internet, and I do too, and I have more so in the past. But that's such an interesting thing because people will go, well, if she's cripplingly shy, why is she Snapchatting all the time? Why yeah. does she have so many videos of her on the internet and blah, blah, and talking to the camera? But I get that because it's such a controlled thing. It's like you want to communicate and you want to be seen and you want to be don't, – don't, don't you feel like it's a control? I'm an, I'm an INFPT, girl. What the hell I just is did that? my Myers-Briggs and what? it was so illuminating. Alexa, you have to do this. People I, keep telling me I have to do it. Myers-Briggs and you are a what? An INFPT. What does this mean? And so like other INFPTs in pop culture like uh, Fiona Apple. Oh, my God. Bjork. Oh, Bjork. She just had a quote in uh, – niche uh, on, and I will read after this but yes so Regina Spector William Shakespeare John Mayer like, heard of him oh I love are, John I used to have a big crush on John Mayer I think everyone did okay. yeah and so um, that and so these are like this. these are the there's more too tons more but like it's a very I'm a very specific type of person INFPTs are people that were considered the mediator uh, we want to learn about ourselves and we want to learn about others and we're on a constant quest to um, better ourselves, and so I think that that is a reason why I am so drawn toward the internet. It's like I'm a I'm a very introverted person, but if when it comes to sharing certain specific types of piece, pieces of information, like that's why I think I have an advice podcast over having just like a comedy podcast. I don't think I would have the self esteem to have a comedy podcast, but I do, however, have a, the bizarre self esteem to tell people how to live their lives. How did you know you were good at uh, at giving advice? Oh yeah, because that's another way we're we, you know we're similar. We both had advice podcasts, right? Yeah. Boy Crazy Radio. Because I I thought I felt like I, I give great advice. And uh, nobody likes unsolicited advice. So here's a way for if you think you want me to give you advice, here's a here's a channel yeah. to do that. And then I got these phone calls. How did you start Please Advise? How long has that been going on for? I did it like an advice column for this recording, which is like a blog Oh yeah, back in the day. And it, it was called Please Advise. And I 
grew up like loving Dr. Laura, so there's yeah. that. What about Dr. Drew and Loveline? I mean, I love Dr. Drew and Loveline, however, like a little um, condescending, I think. I mean, it just wasn't like that wasn't allowed in my house, and like so oh. that had to be like discovered on my own, like in my teen years. Um, but like this, like love, I wasn't even really allowed to watch MTV until I was like 15. Are you super religious? The fam, your family? Uh, no, my mom just like had me when she was a 21 year old, and I think like really wanted to raise me to be like a quiet bookish nerd, and she like succeeded in that. Like she measured my tank top straps like throughout high school. She did. Yeah, like I had to wear like a, they couldn't be more than like an inch and a half like thin they oh had to be God. yeah so I, I wasn't allowed to wear like a camisole like that was like full-blown slut wear it was inappropriate like not appropriate yeah um so anyway um please advise for yeah time. i i just i i feel that i you know i have this relationship i think you probably had the same thing where since i was online blogging early back in the day about my life people viewed me as like an extension of themselves and a, big a lot of sister kind of yeah big sis and like so i would get advice questions a lot and um when i was leaving two broke girls and hello giggles i really 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 wanted to get back to the creative that i was i i felt i was a superior creative when i was on my own and was not taking notes from other people and didn't have as many I guess, like, I don't know, I would say, like, commercial influences. Like, I just feel like I really lost my voice. And so I wanted to go back to something that was fundamentally a part of who I was, which was connecting with other people and helping them. Uh, like, long before I wanted to write for TV or anything, like, my whole life, I wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to work in politics. I wanted to work in radio, but more in, like, of a with, like, a philanthropic undertone to it. Like, I definitely... I really love helping people. and But I I realized that probably the best way for me to help is, like, not to be, like, on the ground. Like, I'm a better mouthpiece than I am someone that could... I couldn't go into a house with, like, six kids that was roach-infested or... I couldn't handle that. Like, and, and that would... I'm too sensitive for it. So yeah. there's other ways I can help. And I... The, and, you know... It, Advice was something that I was told I was good at when By I who, um, you know, honestly, uh, a guy I admired, like someone whose advice I just really admired, and like his opinion I really admired, and so it's unfortunate. I hate it when the answer is like a guy told me, but like a guy told me, but it's a person you respected and you he mattered to you, so that's yeah, that's good. I I get that. I'm the same way. My whole life, my college of life, I didn't go to college. Is like. Learning about music and stuff from like boyfriends. I'm not proud of that, but it's like I heard Chloe Seven you say the same thing in, a, in an article, really? and I was like, "Oh my god, she's cool!" Like uh, I relate to that. But I mean, yeah, I'm, she's an INFPT too. Is she? Yeah, got to get her on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> got to get her on the. I bet one. you are too. I bet you are. Yeah, an INFPT. Um, I mean, I want to do the the, the, the Myers Briggs. Briggs. But I'm, I'm here with you right now. So, I'm like, so I like loved it. Yeah. So I love doing advice. And, and and then, yeah, we just we started that podcast and got into it. And it's really fun because people call about really stupid stuff. Yeah. And they also call about super, super serious stuff. And I'm like really honored that people like trust us with some of the stuff they do, you know? Yeah. So it's cool. Um, I think I called you when I was having a meltdown. So I think I left a message. Did you answer my question? Do you remember this? Maybe it was a few months ago. May have been anonymous. No, yeah. If you did, you didn't identify yourself. Oh my god, I love that though. Oh god. I also don't listen to the voicemails. I like to oh. be surprised by them. Because oh, that's then, smart. Because if I listen, like I will jam on it way too hard and like be twenty thoughts down the road. Yeah. By the time we actually record, and I 
should probably just give my gut reaction. I don't know what I called for. Probably, it's so weird. I have these dramas and they matter so much to me and they like weigh so heavy in my brain. And then like a week later, people will be like, so what's going on with the thing? And I'm like, who? What? I don't well, even you know texted me about the person oh. you did drugs with. And then and then when I saw that like you went to wherever you went to to hang out with him, Vermont or New York or whatever, I was like, I'm so like glad that that worked out. Oh, yeah, because what I did was I asked him everything about himself and like and he opened up and told me all these things about himself. And then I completely judged him for all the things he told me. Uh, and then I realized and I talked to my therapist about it and I talked to you about it via text, via emotional, intense texting. And my therapist was like, the fact that he told you and he's young and we all do these things. And I have also done things that he has done that I judged him for. I'm guilty of the same things. So I just thought, fuck it. I'm interested in this person. And my therapist said to leave my heart open. So uh, I continue being friends with this person. And I want a weird trip. Is taking new clients? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I, should I go to your therapist? Yes. I need a new therapist. Oh, he's is his the name greatest. Andrew? No. His okay. Name, his name, uh, I'll tell you after. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's incredible. I just wanted to make sure because I did put a call into a guy named Andrew. That, he never called you back? Well, no. And then, like, we had a, we had a one-on-one on the phone. Like, I always do female therapists. I, I love can't, this. I have what dad, is this? Uh, this Listerine Min Strips. I always have, like, a little thing. Here's a Listerine Strip. Babe. That's Listerine Spray. Here's some hand sanitizer that makes, it, makes you smell like a stripper. Oh, I love this one from yeah, um, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. I've been making a joke where I refer to myself as like a mid, like a midtown like bathroom attendant or something. Babe, where I'm like, I love this, but like I don't need any tips. Okay, this I'm, is really fun. Yeah. I, like if you just put some products <laughs> out in front of me, I will have the best time. Do you watch the Twenty One Questions series on Vogue.com? Oh, you know what? Sometimes I feel like it's a little bit too like it's not as. It's not so genuine. Yeah. But I've met the guy who directs them and does them. Well, what about I, it? I was just thinking because, like, Taylor Swift's was so, like, do we love I her? don't know. I mean, no, look, I, I I picked Taylor over Katie in the feud. Like, I just feel. You did? Isn't, but isn't Katie friends with uh, Sophia? That doesn't mean anything. Okay, to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that means nothing to okay, me. Okay, I'm like, who side my, you on? My gut instinct told me. Well, I like Taylor because because she's a, a red lips girl. I like that she has a house in Rhode Island. Okay, I like her model friends. I'm all about that. I really like that. I yeah, think there's something very cute about it. I like Miley I, better than all of them. Oh my! Oh no, Miley's no. like real. Miley's a real artist. Yeah, this is we're not talking about artists. Okay, I'm sorry. No, oh, we're talking about like, Katy Perry. We're, and... I were just I'm just saying in this feud, I skewed Taylor because. I feel that I don't know. I just think Katie's fine, and she she doesn't need she doesn't need me. I Where, feel like yeah. Taylor needs me. Where is Katie? Though I feel like where's Katie Perry? Where's she she's been? Probably fine. She's fine. Do you think yeah. she's okay? I think she, I think she's me money. Super. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, so yes. uh, yeah. Anyway, I was gonna say that um, I realized what it was that I that challenges me about Taylor when I was watching Twenty One that. 20 what is it 72 20, questions yeah um, that's a lot of questions i know she they were she like uh he's like what's one thing you always keep in your purse and she's like oh i know lavender hand hand spray because sometimes when you're at the club with your friends and the line's really long for the bathroom you can just like pull out the hand spray and your friends are like hey thanks girl and, like, that was the whole anecdote. And I was like, that is the worst story I've ever heard. This is, like, a really weird, sad journey, Taylor. Like, I don't, <gasps> what club are you at where you're not just cutting the line yeah, to wash your hands? Yeah, why is she hands? waiting in the line? I can't believe it. Also, like, what are you doing in the bathroom that you need to wash your hands? Like, are you all fingering yourselves? Like, just what? go back out to the dance club. It's clammy out there at the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm saying you should wash your hands after you use the restroom. But, like, the most important thing in your purse is, like, I don't know. Anyway, so... 
That was uh that was the day I realized why I don't like Taylor Swift was because of this handspray which comes in lavender and I suspect this is what she uses. No, she probably uses the I'm using the she uses the blue container. Oh, the that's blue a, that's a one. That's a different. This is called Everyone Hand Sanitizer. This is a whole different vibe. How dare you? I'm sorry. Um oh my god. Oh, you know what you also need to have in your purse? I'm a single woman. I'm living my life and stuff like that. Uh a diva cup. Uh not a diva cup. Ugh. You don't use those, do you? No. Oh my god! It looks like your dog is a diva cup on his head. I know, <laughs> a, he diva is a diva cup. cup. Can we explain what a diva cup is to people? I mean, I, they it's know. like a collapsible silicone cup you put in your vagina when you're instead of a tampon, and like, oh god, I hate them. I said so. It's You've like, used them? No, I just like you hate disgusting. the idea of them. Okay. Like, are you supposed to? I, I think it's ideal for an actress. I said that on my podcast. What are you talking about? Because I, you're in your car a lot and like you can just like you can just go home after your audition. And um, but like if you're a working woman, <laughs> are you supposed to release your diva cup midday, wash it out in your office bathroom and then go back and put it in? Like this is not for most women. Like if I walked into the, a bathroom at work and saw my coworker washing out a diva cup, oh like, my God. I would go to HR. Like I. <laughs> I don't even know how these thoughts came to be because I've never thought so deeply about a diva cup. But if I were dating a vampire, I would definitely use a diva cup. Yeah, that would be really smart, actually. Okay. That's just you're just enterprising at that point. Yeah. Um, yikes! But what should every woman keep in her purse? Oh, condoms because I'm single mm-hmm. and I usually do keep like I, I I had this like one night stand thing, and I thought. I don't I don't care. I think the guy didn't even like me as a human being. He was like, you talk a lot. I'm like, yes, I know. This is like my whole being is this. And he's like, what? Like, he just didn't like me as a human was being. Was he an actor or rich? He was he's rich and I don't uh, but he was beautiful. He had like bee stung lips and he was a good looking guy. And like tech. A, Give me a, a category. Uh, I think like a producer. Oh, OK. But like young, not a real producer, like a rich kid producer. Sure. OK, so he visits Los Angeles. I meet up with him. I'm like prepared to like, I'm like, I'm going to get drunk tonight. I'm going to have a one night stand with this guy. And uh, we had sex at night. It was whatever. He had a condom. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Next morning, I had this whole conversation with myself being like, I'm not going to sneak out of this place. Like just now that I'm in my 30s, this is a new way of thinking. And this will, I will take us, I will finish the story. And the next morning, if I were in my 20s, I would have been like, he wants me gone. I got to get out of here. Oh my God, he hates me. Men hate women. I got to get out of here. I should just sneak out. He he doesn't want to wake up with me. Oh my God, he hates me. But in my 30s, I was like, well, this is what he signed up for. I'm not fucking leaving. Like, this is, he's going to fuck me at night. He's going he's gonna to have to deal with waking up with me in the morning. And you know what? I want him to fuck me again. Like, that's, I'm, I'm getting real, yeah. cra- I'm getting real crassy. Or like, Aristotle no, doesn't I think even you're care. Good. Um, so we're about to have sex. We're making out. Actually, he opened his eyes a little bit mm-hmm. and then closed them again. Mm-hmm. And I, and I looked at him and I went, I see you. I was like, I see you <laughs> open your eyes right there. I know you're awake. So anyway, we're about to have sex. And that's all I want. All I want to do is use him for sex. Yeah. And he didn't have a condom. And I'm not going to let, you know, have unprotected sex with this bonehead who doesn't like me. So I realized that I have to start carrying condoms around with me if I'm going to. I mean, I think I'm in love right now with somebody, so I don't think I'm going to do that. But um, well, The person you did drugs with? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> but wait, so here's but my question. Why can, did he bring one condom to L.A.? Or was it like the mini bar condom? I don't know because he's probably such a self-entitled piece of shit that he's just like, I'm going to fucking stick my dick in the girls and yeah. with nothing. On. And, and I was like, and I made a joke being like, I was like, get a get a Ziploc bag. Well, like, 
A lot of people are being really honest about, like, not using condoms now. Have you noticed this trend in conversation? Yeah, that- me and my life and my sex life. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to my gynecologist the other day, I was like, I'm here to get tested because I've had some unprotected sex. And she's like, you know, you should probably use a condom. It's not. And I'm like, yes, I know. I was like, like duh. Yeah. 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 And she told me to use sunscreen, too, because I'm pale. And I was like, what are we doing? It's <laughs> embarrassing. I went to a doctor and, like, admitted to, like, I actually answered the questions honestly about, like, do you do drugs? Like, you're do like, you? How often you're like do you You're like Samantha. From Sex in the City. I fully answered them honestly because I was like, I'm just going to try this. Like, yeah. I'm just going to see how it goes to actually be honest with your doctor. And she was like, you just admitted to five felonies. She literally looked at me and said, you've admitted to over five felonies. And I just... <laughs> Wags is like, do you see what I'm dealing with? And like, I was like, it literally was just like, you know, sometimes I'll take a friend's pills. Like, you know, like it was just like... Yeah. Like, yeah, I wasn't admitting to anything out of control, but like... I also, this was another tough one with, with being honest with the doctor. I went, I had a panic attack for the first time when I was, like, 22. And I went to the ER because, like, I didn't understand how insurance worked. And I didn't know that it would cost me, like, $2,000. And so <sighs> I went to the ER. And, like, the doctor said to me, she's like, have you ever, like, had thoughts of suicide? And I'm like, oh, sure, of course. Oh, no. And she was like, <laughs> and she is like, I need you to say that you have not had thoughts of suicide. And I was like... I mean, are you asking me if I've considered it? Like, I'm like, I'm a writer. I'm a very dark person. Of course I have considered. <laughs> Haven't you read my blog? Suicide. <laughs> and she was like, and she was like, ma'am, she's like, you have to understand. She's like, miss. She's like, you have to say. <laughs> at, tw- at 22, I was still a miss. Yeah. She's like, you have to understand if you tell me that you have suicidal thoughts, I need to keep you here. And I was like. I don't lie, so, like, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't yeah. get past it. Because the reality of it is is that those questions are set, are set, they set you up to lie. Yeah. They set you up to lie. Well, I was honest with my gynecologist the other day. Shamed. Shamed for it. I was a little bit shamed. She was, she was just, I was just like, I don't know, I feel like being in my 30s that I, like, and I think I get turned on by the danger yeah. of it. It's like if I try, it's weird, I'll have, I'll have protected sex with a guy and then, oh, so my stomach's growling. That's my stomach, everybody. That's my stomach. <laughs> I'm like still like a child, like embarrassed if my stomach growls. Because what does it all mean? What does it really link to? Anyway, okay. So, You're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starving. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I'll have protective sex with a guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, at my discretion, I'll be like, okay, we're not using condoms now because I've weirdly decided, like, I trust you now. It yeah. makes no sense. I'm not on birth control. Uh, I actually don't think I can get pregnant. Are you low key want like Are you low key trying to get preg? Like, Not at in all. The back of your mind. Not at all. I don't want kids. That, and, and I and I'm like uh, dating some guy who's younger than me. And I and I asked him. I was like, Does my age concern you? Because he's like six years younger than me. And he was like, Well, you might be in a place where you want to. Yes, maybe a bit because you might want to have a kid. And I hated having this conversation with him. But also, I don't want to have a kid. Yeah. Anytime soon. And it's just so unfair. Like, anyway, I'm uh, all over the place here. But. I do this weird thing. I don't even know if this is my original point to tell you this, but uh, the danger does turn me on. With this bonehead guy with the bee stung lips who didn't like me, I was definitely not going to have unprotected sex with him because I felt like he was just, he probably had every ST, everything. Um, And he was useless. He couldn't even give me the casual sex I I so wanted from him. That's all he was to me. So I realized, you know, girls, we have to carry condoms. We have to carry condoms. That's even what my therapist said. He goes, well, you're a woman. If you like sex and you want to have – have you considered carrying condoms? And I was like, yes, I usually do. But I was just out of a relationship, so I forgot you know, what I got, what I got to throw in my purse. But anyway, when I have sex with somebody I care about and I decide I trust them and I decide 
I decide when the condom comes off and uh, if I'm going to have unprotected sex with them. I do this horrible thing where I, oh God. No, you could tell me. Nobody's listening. <laughs> Wags doesn't care. Aristotle doesn't give a fuck. Anyway, um, I will say, because it turns me on, I will say, I'll ask the guy to come inside me. Uh-huh. And the guy will be like, what? And I'll be like, no, 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 just just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> or like, or or he'll hear me. And then if I sense that he's like taking me seriously because he thinks I'm on the pill or something. Yeah. I'll have to like make sure that doesn't happen. But yeah. it's like, it's such, I, I'm so confusing. I'm like a, because I, I, I'm attracted to the danger. I can't imagine that that would be really confusing. I mean, that has, for a that's guy. a very <laughs> common turn on actually. Not, yeah. not even for chicks, but like for dudes. It's like, I feel like a very common turn on. For I've, guys? To like, Yes, to, like, say they're going to come in you when they're not really going to or, like, the idea that they're going to – yeah, like, the idea that they're going to, like – I've yeah. yeah, I've spoken with a couple guys who are like that, which is a little weird because it also implies something, like, pretty sadistic. Like, they're going to, like, impregnate you behind – like, without yeah. your consent. Uh, yeah, I've had, I actually have to tell guys – or not tell all, all the guys, but I, I've had to tell a guy, like, listen – when we have sex, there's a chance I'm going to tell you to come inside me. I'm not. I'm not on birth control. Don't do it. Let me say it. It turns me on. We're doing the pullout method, but like, which is like a totally unsexy conversation to have. But I, yeah. But uh, yeah. And I don't believe in hormonal birth control, and I feel like we're in a really weird situation because, like, what are you like? It's not realistic. No one's going to like give a blowjob with a condom. I know that's social suicide. No Who gives like, a blowjob condom situation? No way. Like, Aristotle, has that ever happened to you? Blowjob condom? You Aristotle. couldn't recover from that. Aristotle's good looking and cool. Of course, yeah. nobody's ever done that with him. Put a condom on his private for a blowjob. Like unfurling a dental dam. Like literally. <laughs> oh, unfurling. Never, never going to happen. Like no one is ever i've never even seen a dental dam in a situation that wasn't like a like a really intense sex ed class like i've only seen them in like high school and maybe one time when they lectured us all at catholic college uh i don't i i don't think i don't like the idea of implanting something metal or plastic into my uterus no way yeah i don't uh like the idea that I have to be stuffed full of hormones like a fucking milk cow. Like, I don't, I'm not into that. So I just, uh, it just sucks because there's no middle road. It's like, also, sex with a condom is not, is not the most fun thing either. But the funny thing is, I don't mind it. I feel, I've said this before, I feel like it adds an extra layer to a guy's sure private. Sure. It can't, it can't have that effect. It can't have that effect. But it, it does. It makes it bigger. Yes, that's true. I mean, it, it's just it's a different it's a different sensation. Okay, but I just don't i I don't think it's I don't think it's fair, and I don't get it because I just don't know what the happy medium is. It's like every it's like it's compromised either in the way that you live your everyday life, like you're full of hormones, or you have you know I've had girlfriends have the worst nightmare experiences with IUDs. I also have a lot of friends who've had really good experiences with them, but the nightmare experiences are so scary to me yeah. that I just can't handle it. Nuvering um, sounds like a more interesting option for me, but there's a lot of mistakes that can happen with that, too. I can't be trusted to take a pill every day. Yeah. Uh, are you on any birth control or anything? No. Oh, my God. We're I, so great. Yeah. No, I haven't been on birth control since I was 25 yeah. or something like that. And I've taken Plan B, like, twice in my life. Oh, God. I've taken it more yeah and i don't it's like i i don't think that's a big deal i think that that's a much less big deal than 
whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I um I don't I think that's just sucks. The options are really, really, really limited. Isn't there a male pill? I heard there's a male pill. They've been like teasing us with that for years. Men but, are like, never gonna take men don't go to the doctor. They no. don't go to the doctor. No. They don't bathe. They don't fucking yeah, they're not going to take the pill. Like, they're if so you can lazy. Find a guy that goes to a dentist once every two years, like marry him. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, I just think guys don't. I've like I, as I've gotten older, maybe certain guys I've dated, I've been like actually really made note of the fact if they go to the doctor and take care of themselves and are like unafraid. Like, yeah, no one wants to get their colon checked. Like, no one wants to do these like weird, uncomfortable adult things. Yeah. Guys are also just a little bit more forgetful than women, I feel, in a basic way that they wouldn't have the con- like the consciousness to take pills every single day. They don't have a purse like we do. Yeah. Like, they don't <laughs> usually have a morning routine the same way. Maybe they shave, maybe they do whatever, but we spend more time in the mirror, like, washing our face, going through the whole thing. I feel like it does make sense for the woman to be responsible for the pill in that way. Yeah. It just sucks. It just sucks. It's unfair. And... You know, I think that the pill is the reason why so many people are divorced. Oh, really? Well, how come? I just think that I think that the pill is also linked to the sexual revolution. But I also think that it's uh, very strongly linked to a lot of women fucking f- messing with their brains and biological chemistry. Yeah. And that's going to affect a relationship. Also, I heard that when you're on the pill, when you're on the pill, you're attracted to a different type. Your pheromones yes. are all fucked up. You're attracted to a different type of guy. Then you get off the pill to have a baby with whoever you've chosen for yourself or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy? I talk about that a lot. Like, yeah. your body is biologically built to find a mate for you. It just is. Like, you are instinctively attracted attracted to people who their DNA is going to go well with yours. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way humans work. Uh, it's the way animals work. And so... Right, Wags? Yeah. Earth. You know, oh, he, I couldn't <laughs> cut his balls off till he was five. Like, I couldn't be... Because I just... I, I couldn't do it to him. Yeah. And it wound up fucking him up in the process because, like, you're just not supposed to have balls until you're five if you're a dog. But, oh, like, really? I couldn't do that to him. Yeah, it just makes... He's, he's more machismo than he should be because he's so used to rocking balls. Like, he still probably thinks he has them. Oh, my God. I, mean, I got to get back to Raya. I want to get into, like, uh, Vanderpump Rules, Real okay. Housewives, all this stuff. Wait, so what are you looking for in a guy, though? What do you want, like, ultimately? Because right? I, I want magic. Yeah, I... Well, okay. I'm... I think I figured it out. Okay. Uh-oh. Here we go. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> An hour and a half into the podcast. Fantastic. Okay, good. Funny is a must. Okay. Um, it needs to be someone that's comfortable with me being the star. Um, I just am a flower. That is true of me. I need a gardener. Yeah. Like, I can garden, but it is not my instinctive role. Like, I... In my last relationship, my... You know, my ex has a a really fabulous career, and I was really, really happy taking a back seat in a lot of ways because it just, I was, I I just loved him so much, but that was not a natural role for me. And it really started to wear on my spirit, especially because, like, as someone who also considers myself, like, an artist or a talent in that sense, like, I, it really, like, just started to suck to have it be, like, no special days for Molly. And, like... You can't you can't have it both ways. Molly needs special days. Like, Molly needs a lot of special days. Yeah. And, like, I also need my achievements, like, recognized and admired, and I need my effort to be admired. Um, 
I don't want to wind up in a relationship like Bethany Frankel, like her relationship with, with Jason. Jason? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. What a nightmare. I think of that a lot. And that is it, everything about that dynamic is the opposite of what I need. Like, I need a guy that is is not going to label me as crazy because there's certain parts of my personality that are eccentric. Yeah. I need someone that's going to understand that just because I live parts of my life in public, I also am an incredibly shy, incredibly private person. Yeah. Um, I don't need anyone who's going to be embarrassed because I say the word cunt. Like, I don't need to be told how a woman speaks. I don't need to be told what to do. I don't need to, to be told how to stand. I need someone that's very comfortable with who I am as a person because all I want to do is celebrate the people in my life for who they are. Like, yeah. if you're in my life, you're there because of who you are. So I just need to, I need to be with someone who really values that in me and doesn't question where my heart is, where my heart comes from. Um, and I think funny definitely compliments that sort of personality really well. And it needs – I just need – I can't be with someone. My mom gave me really good advice once, which was, like, never marry someone who doesn't get your jokes. Oh, God, yeah. Because you don't want to spend your life, like, explaining yourself to someone or, like, not really enjoying that feeling of – my ex and I would just, like, laugh our asses off together. Like, we – if I miss anything about that relationship, it was our friendship and our ability to just, like, we could laugh ourselves, like, sick. And, like, that was something that, through even the worst times in our relationship, really got us through. And that's something that I need in a relationship forever now. Yeah. And also their family can't suck. That has, oh, that's huge. Yeah, that is a big deal. Because my, my last big relationship, I, was su- I just, like, was super in love with his family. And that was – it was even harder to lose that than it was my actual relationship and the guy I dated shortly after, like, I couldn't, de- I couldn't, I couldn't stand his family. Like oh, the no. nicest guy in the world, I couldn't stand his family. And my best friend Ed and everyone were like, "It's not that big of a deal. Like, how often are you really going to have to deal with them?" But um, a person's family is a part of their makeup, and it is something that really, really matters. And that's who your kids are going to be around, and that's who, you know they're going to be influenced by and I just couldn't yeah so family's really important to me too that is so important though the, the, talking about like the laughing and all this like I uh that's all I want I want to be understood and accepted and treasured and loved and feel safe with the person and just like and accept them also just and just like have a beautiful graceful ease with this person where I just feel safe with them and understood and like chosen and like a it's like a, I don't know I was dating somebody before for like a little bit and the entire time I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't feel quite right. And I was like, yeah. I was like, it must be me. He's so great on paper, so great. It must be me. And it's like, I'm I, the voices in my head are telling me false stories, and I'm just insecure. Um, but all that was bullshit. I was so uncomfortable. If you're ever that uncomfortable, it's not right. Because I then I've, I've met somebody recently where I'm like, you know, and he lives in another city. And he makes whatever. no sense on paper. I mean, he does make a lot of sense on paper too, but. In, yeah, the other guy was like He's a normal six nice years guy. younger than you. I was, yeah, six he years younger than me. Drugs for a living. Oh, uh, li- uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> lives lives in another city, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's like, like, uh, I feel like I'm at home or something. Like yeah. completely like accepted and uh, cozy. And it's like with one guy I was dating, we would go on dates and we'd go on like these yuppie dates. We'd go to like dinner and we'd get drinks. We'd go see a movie and we do, and that's all fine and good and that's whatever and that can exist with what who everybody or whoever. 
but I feel like whenever I've been like madly passionately in love where it's just like that invisible because I feel like love is a real thing I was yes. getting, getting in conversation with that with somebody about how like they're like love isn't real but love isn't, isn't real but I'm feeling these feelings for you and I was like it is a real thing it's like this bizarre intuitive invisible like feeling and if both people are hooked into it it's like the most amazing like cubbyhole thing that exists and I feel that every time I've been madly in love with somebody and we're on the same page, we don't need to go on dates. We can just lay around in a bed and hang out and talk and laugh and just like to being together is enough. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like we don't need activities. It's you know, that like, weird in between thing though too where it's like that is the also the poison in the relationship, that lesbian yeah. deathbed or whatever it's called or oh, lesbian what's lesb- bed death. It's- what's that? Okay, so you have to remember who you are and make sure you're like, okay, continue to live for yourself and then come back to the person as, their, as your special treat. Also, you just become like fat and slovenly. And I'm not like, going to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like if you spend – if you get to that point in the relationship where like the highlight of the day is the meal you eat – like that is a very that like that is why some structure dates and stuff like that is always going to be important. Oh yeah, like it's nice to get dressed up for each other and go out and do that sort of stuff. Uh, lesbian bed death is like is a is this a term web series? I, no, okay, it's a term I've heard. Uh, it, which is like just it's like uh, I mean it's obviously a homophobic term oh, amongst okay. other things. No, it's not. But it's basically just referring to like how in. In cliche lesbian relationships, Sweatpants. like you just lay in bed and watch Orange Is the New Black till you die, yeah, and like that um, is like that's a very that's a, also a phase of relationships that people like. Uh, I think your average unhealthy relationship can land in that spot and get very stagnant, yeah. Um, and it's a really good way to avoid things like why aren't you leaving the house together? Are you actually like, proud to be with each other? Oh yeah, you're taking this whole. That's that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. You know. Yeah. I wasn't meaning it like that, but you're so right. Yeah, it's, I'm just saying it's a it's a it's a delicate balance because you want to have that person that you can just like be in silent with and lay with, but you don't want laying with them to be the whole thing. Oh no, my thing that I'm really excited about is like my goal is I want to if I'm really madly in love, I mean I have to respect the person I'm with. Um, but it does this thing to me where I'm like, oh, my God, I want to – I have somebody – I know I should be good for myself. I should yeah. be – I should rise to the occasion just for myself. And I do, and I love being single, and I'm good at being alone. But when I'm in a relationship, I know that the ultimate thing is uh, if I'm with somebody that I'm crazy about who's also crazy about me, it makes me go, oh, my God, I want to accomplish all these things. I, need to, I want to make them proud. I want to be the best yeah. version of myself. I want to, some, somebody to be good for. I want to look my best. I want to be hustling and doing all this cool shit so I can be like, check out, look at the shit I'm doing. Like, yeah. And we can talk about it and then they're doing cool shit and then we, we come, you know, and then we, you know, get in bed together and have amazing sex and we're excited about each other like little kids and best friends, but we're also like badasses on our own terms. Yeah. So that's my, have you ever done long distance? Um, uh, I don't like long distance relationships. I think they're bullshit, but they can also be kind of exciting. I am open to long distance because I just know that it's so rare that you meet someone that is like worthwhile. Like that, it's true. It's so rare that you know you have to honor that connection. I think and try and at least like I think that it's I think it's important to foster that if you can. Um, but I uh, no, I'm I'm I've never done long distance. My college boyfriend like followed me out here, and it took him. Oh no! Was like, that a disaster? I heard that was a disaster. I was terrible. thinking terrible. Who is that guy? Um, oh my god, well, oh, his name was Matt, like, he was the guy we went to college with, I went to college with, he was a junior when I was a freshman, and, um, his apartment was right next to mine, and, um, he was a nice guy, um, 
very insecure, very... Um, I've dated a lot of, like, really insecure guys, I've re- realized... In comedy, like, are they all comedian p- people? Because I'm terrified of... Da- I, I did that when I was a teenager, dating mm-hmm. comedians. No more. Never yeah. again. Um, I... I don't intend to date comedians. This guy, Matt, was not a comedian. In fact, like, he was an aspiring writer, but he said that I was the only person who'd ever asked him what he wanted to do with his life, and that made me so sad for him. Like, oh, wow. Because he was, you know, when I knew I was moving out to L.A. my senior year, and he was, you know, several years older than me, so he had graduated already. And I said to him, like, hey, so I'm moving to L.A. Like, I'm going to go get my career on. I'm doing something out in L.A. Like, what are you doing with your life? And, like, you know, about six months later, we were living in L.A., and he said to me, like, I would have never come here if it wasn't for you. Like, no one ever asked me what I wanted to do with my life. Like, I... And I just so never grew up like that. I grew up, like, being encouraged to dream, and my mom was, you know, an artist as well and, like, had to work a lot of different jobs in order to make it so that we could survive. But, like... I was always really encouraged to be myself and to find my career path. And so I just couldn't even relate to that. Yeah. But in terms of dating comedians, like, I just keep falling into them. I really would. I've tried to date lawyers. Like, yeah, you can't you can't say who you're going to just feel that feeling with or whatever. You just have to go with your. Yeah. I don't want to date. I I think I'm done with performers. Yeah. I I had a girlfriend tell me once that she has a no performer rule. Yeah. I thought that that was really limiting and weird, but I also realized after that, actually, it was funny. Jerry O'Connell said to me, "What?" <laughs> well, it was like, which is like a bizarre name drop, but he's always been super, super nice to me and has been like a nice friend to me over the years. And he said to me, "There's a thing with actors sometimes when you're dating them, where they do the oh, I gotcha," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Sometimes actors like." I've known guys that when they're dating girls, like, they see if they can get them to fall in love with them as much as possible, and then they do, like, the, oh, I gotcha to them. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's, like, basically, like, like unveiled this world to me that I didn't really know existed, where it's, like, that's a worst nightmare scenario, that you're dating an actor and he's playing along that he loves you and he doesn't really love you. He or, just wants to cast a spell on you to see if he can get you, and then he's yeah. like, well, I got her, and then it's like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. her. Oh, my God, I feel like I've done that in the past, and I'm not even really an actress. I've, I yes, just, I, am. I But, yeah, you are. I just, but it just, it, I really, that, like, blew my mind, and so I, that confirmed for me that I don't date performers anymore. Um, oh, that, that one, but isn't he with He's with Rebecca Arrange. Oh yeah, he's a very married person, but yeah. he, but I, it yeah. confirmed for me this fear that I had because I'm a sitting duck. I'm so susceptible. It's like anyone who's telling me that they're telling me the truth, I just believe them. Yeah. So, because um, it doesn't occur to me to lie, so like that confirmed to me that I was in over my head and I needed to probably look away from that dating pool. Like some deep suspicion that I had was confirmed. How do your Raya dates differ from your Tinder dates or any crazy Raya Tinder stories? Any weird celebrity things happening on Raya? You don't have to talk about um, it. But no. Tell me everything. I um so I got approved for Raya like right away and I I'm not I have there's only been like two people that I've even gone to text with on Raya. I don't feel like it's a really conversational place. Really? I also no. What? I also picked pictures that are like intentionally a little dorky and safe. And I did that on Raya because everyone is so the opposite of that. On it's like tits I, out. I looked at all the girls just to be like, what am I dealing with here? And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. They're yeah. all like supermodels. They all look like 15 years old. It's too much. I matched with um, So oh Raya <laughs> has been Raya has been really, really good. 
for um, like giving it to my married friends. Like it's a really fun treat for my friends when we go out oh, to dinner. Yeah, like I'm just like that. here you go. Yeah. And, I, and then like I'll wind up matching with some guy like with an unpronounceable name in Germany, and I'm like texting my friends like what the fuck. Um, I have no Raya stories other than I matched with like a famous child actor, and it was really really bizarre for me. Me too. I matched with the same guy. Are you know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. Wait. I think we're talking about. This. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, he knows my cousin. We never went on a date, but we were just like, "Hello." So we actually, yeah, we like had a conversation, which was just all for the novelty of it, because I, had, my friends had gone through my <laughs> raya and were like, just you know, uh, pretending and you know, whatever, uh, pretending I that was. I matched with Polly Shore. Oh, God. I know. I didn't go on a date. Well, (laughs) when I see famous people, I don't swipe on them because I I only swipe on them. Really? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then I left a crazy message on his machine. You know, Stassi from Vanderpump Rules matched with Ryan Lockie. Really? Yeah. How do you know that? Because Stassi talked about it on her podcast. Stassi from Vanderpump Rules has a podcast? Yes, it's so good. It is? Dude, she has the number three podcast on Play.it, which is like CBS radio. She That girl makes fucking bank off her podcast. Isn't she an evil witch, though? Isn't she Stassi the worst? Stassi is my very, very close friend. She is? Well, no, Alexi, yes and no. Like, I... Tr- I Stassi. I tricked her into being my friend. But that's what you do with the other people from Vanderpump, right? No, those are genuine. Like, Ariana and I are actually genuinely connected through many mutual friends. And then her nice boyfriend, is she still with him? Yes. And, like, they are the nicest people. That's good. Good for them. But then Stassi, like, I've just had my eye on Stassi for a while. Like, I feel... She terrifies me. That's everything I don't want in a girlfriend. That's why I'm scared of women sometimes, even though I love women. I think Stassi is... A lamb, really? Like, I don't think any of it's real. Okay. I told, I see through that. I want to help her career. Like I, I, I. You want to help her career? She seems like she's doing fine. She needs some direction, honey. Okay, okay. Like, she needs a little bit of direction. Like you're not, you can't be a not waitress on a show forever. Is she have a boy? Does she have a boyfriend? She show? has a yeah. She's that serious boyfriend, Patrick or whatever. We never Dan. see him on the show. He doesn't want to be on the show. He, you can Google him though. He has like a serious show. Um. And like he, he has a been serious on a show. What do you mean? Serious uh, radio. Oh, he does. Did he get her her show? Kind of. No, she was approached separate. I don't think you know. Sorry, thank Stassi's you. like the prize pig of Vanderpump Rules. So okay. like she is obviously approached to do her own yeah. podcast. She also is like pretty good on it. Okay. She's like she's good, yeah. and she talks about a lot of the things that I love, which is really all that matters to like me. Like what? Southern Charm. Oh, that show on Bravo. Yeah, Ghosts. Uh, what aliens. about what about Ghosts? Um, you know, Stassi just says she's from New Orleans and feels like very connected to spirits. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she does her. She calls it an Ouija board. An an Ouija board. She calls it an Ouija board, which is I love it. I love it. Like makes me so happy that I she mispronounces out, Ouija. I threw out my Ouija board years ago because I was afraid that evil spirits would get into my house via the Ouija board, and I'm, I don't think I'm wrong. No, and I also think you're a sensitive person, so you probably would feel them. Yeah, I felt a ghost put his hand on my knee at my desk the other day. Then what happened? That was it. Okay, and that's the whole story. Like I, knew, I know there's a presence in my house, and there has been, but um. Because it moved a candle, like, right before I moved in. And then I brought over, like, my HLC meter, which is, like, this – it's a heat light sensor. And you use it to – you scan the walls of a room with it. And if there's cold spots, it turns blue. Cold is a spirit energy. Really? Yeah. And so I started using my HLC meter. And then, you know, another way you could really look for ghosts is if you feel, like, 
a cold spot. And there's no, you can't attribute it to anything. Yeah. And so the other day I was at my desk and like sometimes, I don't know if you do this ever, but when I'm sitting at my desk, sometimes I like pray to my muses. I pray to my angels. Okay. There I said it. I don't give a fuck. Somebody told me to do this in a self-help book. My therapist said to do it too. And I do it and it's embarrassing. But listen, I did it before I did drugs the other day and uh, nothing went wrong. Yeah. I, I call even... on my muses and I'm like, hey guys, like I really need you today. I'm excited about this activity. Like I really, yeah. I, like, I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I, it's fine. That's that is what makes us special people. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but like, so like, I was praying to my muses and I felt like uh, I felt a cold hand on my knee. And I thought it might have been like my grandmother or someone like or my grandfather telling me that they're there with me right now. But like it kind of freaked me out. Like it freaked me out thoroughly. Yeah. Or I thought maybe it was the guy who owned my house before me, his dad. Because he had like all of his flags around from... World War Two, and like there was a lot of activity by the flags. Oh, really? Yeah. God, I when I did my drugs in in uh, this house in Vermont, I was told there were lots of ghosts. What was that? Oh my God, what was that? Yeah, they're doing construction here. It's fucking ghost girl. It's crazy. Um, ghost construction. <laughs> um, before when we got to the house in Vermont. I was told there are all these. I was listening to all these ghost stories about the house on the five-hour drive up to Vermont or whatever. And so when I got there, I was like, "Dear angels, thank you so much for me having a great." Time. And I like said hello to the ghost. I was like, you know, as I'm friendly. I like said nothing bad happened. So uh, and then uh, yeah, but I do that. It's uh, it's embarrassing, but real. No, you shouldn't be embarrassed. It, I saw The Conjuring 2 recently, which was the fucking worst thing I've ever... I was so scared, Alexi. Like, it okay. was so scary. Because it's real. Like, you know, these are based on... The Conjuring movies like, are based on notes, real like, stories. You're like, The, like Conjuring. the Conjuring 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's based on real stories. And, like, the woman who... Uh, Lorraine Warren, I think her name is, she... Um, went into the Amityville house and she's still like she's still alive and doing Wait, what does a conjuring woman have to do with the Amityville thinks that's another the horror first, film the first film um, I think the first conjuring had something surrounded the Amityville house in some way I okay. think I don't know okay. but the con- I didn't see that one but the second one opens addressing like you know last year this happened at the Amityville house since then Lorraine Warren and her husband have been reached out to by people from all over the country and so the second conjuring took place in a house in England that was being haunted by a poltergeist so excited I want to watch all these this little girl like got possessed and it was terrible but like the the thing that you that's really grounding and scary about it is that Lorraine Warren is a real person like she if you've ever seen Paranormal State or any of those shows like Lorraine Warren is still in the scene like she will come out and clear a poltergeist to this day okay um and it's all really tied to religion which is like so interesting is that like they the only way to kill these spirits is with Christianity which is like brings in a really interesting layer to it because it makes you question the whole thing if you have any sort of questions about Christianity, um, which I do. Um, but I have no questions about ghosts or Lorraine Warren. So it's like a weird... So it's so interesting because I had somebody on here talking about ghosts and uh, his whole take on it because like, oh God, I'm going to be like dropping these names I don't quite understand, but they're like certain people who are into mysticism and like other realms and different dimensions and they're like scientists and they're very smart people and then i had this guy in here named hamilton morris who was talking about how he doesn't he loves horror films yeah but he doesn't he's very scientific he's like a boy genius but he doesn't believe in ghosts what he thinks is more fascinating is is that it's all in our brain and he what he's more interested in is like 
because they're uh, the depth of our of what's happening in our in our brain is so fascinating. Yeah. And he, what he wants to know is like, or I don't know what he wants to know, but he was just talking about it. it's like that's more interesting to him. Like what the chemistry in our brains that make us believe these things or what we see because it's linked to our brain, not not anything actually really happening. Like, well, it's classic like displacement on like a basic level where it's like I think that we're trying to understand things so we channel all of our understanding and energy into these foreign concepts or ideas. I mean, I don't know. I, I do that all the time. Just Actually, I have a new podcast coming out. You do? Called Emotionally Broken Psychos, and it's a spinoff of Please Advise, and it focuses all on some, like, kind of the psychological journey you go through when you're watching a reality television show, because I think that we do a lot of our deepest processing on human relationships when we're watching reality TV, yeah. and that we subconsciously... Uh, you know, people say they love reality TV because it's, you know, it's funny, it's interesting, it's compelling, it's fun to watch people fight. But I think the people reason why people really like watching reality television is because it it is the most, like, real yet stagnant drama in a way on those shows. Like, Leanne shitting in a bag being the whole end of the da- Real Housewives of Dallas. Like no, I didn't watch Dallas. I'm only in Beverly Hills, uh, Orange County. New York or like okay Atlanta <laughs> like is uh, that enough <laughs> uh what's a good example from Vanderpump Rules I mean basically like I don't have you done any emotional healing or learned anything about relationships watching Tom and Katie deal with their engagement debacle have you like had any realizations about how how you yourself have yes I see myself I project myself into the mix and also what I did with the Kardashians when I was really heavy yes. into the Kardashians I'm an only child and what I did for myself there was go Wow, so this is what it's like to have a family. Yes. This is what it's like to have sisters. Oh my God, I'm getting everything I need. And I felt very cozy and included and I had my place and I felt like um but also I heard that like the way they if we we're just to watch Kim Kardashian having a chat with her mom, with Chris yeah. Jenner or whatever, just as like this podcast is where we're just talking and it's just like a third just that would be so boring. But they edit it in a way so it's like we're constantly stimulated. Yes. Where it's like, then they do a close-up of the dog's reaction. Then you're in a confessional and Kim's like, well, my mom was like this. Then you go to the mom and the co- It's like it shot like a music video to like keep us – it's all in the edit almost, right? It's yeah. not really the people. But anyway, I don't know. It is, but I, I guess I also – when I worked for a while in um, reality TV doing like night editing and also um, – Oh, God, what's it called when you're writing down everything they say? Stenography? Uh, oh, no. Kind of. Uh, no, it's a... Uh, oh, shit. What's it called? Aristotle help. What's that called when you... Subscribing. Yes, transcribing. Transcribing. I, so I basically was... I was transcribing all of the... All of the raw footage. Of what? Of... Uh, Pretty one, wild? The one was... No, I wish. <sighs> one was a show called um, Clean House. And then the other one was, um, which was a Niecy Nash hosted it, and it was basically like Hoarders Light. Like, it was like Diet Hoarders. Oh, like, my God. It was like Hoarders, but like an adorable spin. We were like, these people are just so messy. But like, yeah. I'm watching all the raw footage. Like, before, I remember I did another show called Scrappers, which was a show all about these guys in Brooklyn who collected scrap metal. And I watched all the raw footage. And then when I watched the actual show, I was so upset because they did that chop job that you do where you like you know slice the scenes together and you stick a talking head in and then there's like a crazy wipe and then like a cut to some guy just staring at something and I was so upset because the raw footage was so much better than the show and so when I'm watching reality TV I realize what I'm doing what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to undo the editing in my head really so that I can figure out what the raw footage must have looked like so because like you know like 
on the Kardashians, for example, they'll maybe say like four or five sentences in a scene. They're always sitting around eating those salads in the plastic bowl. Where do they get those salads? I want to know everything. I want to know salads. where they get the simple salads. And the yellow tea. Like, what is that yellow tea that Courtney's oh, I don't know. always nursing? I don't know nothing about yellow tea. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a tea or a lemonade. I wonder about it all the time. I'm so glad you are also tuned into the salads. But... I'll notice that they'll say maybe five actual lines of dialogue and then most of it is just cutaway shots to reactions of the girls. And it's like this scene was completely planned around and based on the fact that you had a free production meal. Like you're executing the exact lines of dialogue that you need to say. Most of this is filled up with reaction shots that are probably had nothing to do with what was said at the time. Yeah. It's really amazing. So I'm trying to undo that editing in my head all the time and trying to figure out what really happened. Because like you can sometimes even catch Courtney. Like there was our Chloe on a recent episode had to start over a scene in the scene and you could like see her almost press a restart button like she said to Ken or she said to Courtney like no we need to talk about Kim's thing right now oh my and god they, and like someone who doesn't know how production works or doesn't know how they probably know that's a lazy moment and you caught it yeah and I was like shit dude like I live for that. I live for moments like that. But when you want to get real or when you want to tap into like what are they doing in the dead time, that's when you go that's when you go to Kim Kardashian's Snapchat yes. and you watch her relationship with Kanye. And I heard they don't have sex at all, by the way. Really? That's what I heard. I mean, I think he's gay. You do? That's what everybody else who's been on this podcast says. Well, only you were the only second you're the second person. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, yeah. I'm just gonna go there. Yeah. Um I'm, I think Kanye's gay. I mean, I've always just felt that. I don't think I don't think one way or I I mean, I think bisexual at the very least, but yeah. I don't I mean, I don't imagine that they do have a passionate relationship. Like it doesn't it's really I think they were really cozy together. They both love fame and she's just so happy to be like linked to him and they're together and he was it's like this weird they're like an art piece don't you think i mean yes i i think it was brandon wardell or something i I need to get him for the podcast is he mean is he nice uh brandon's really nice brandon is like 23 and i think he is very much a 23 year old boy all right you know what i mean can we have a mock date with him here he's really you'll i i really yeah oh no he's super straight okay so he's not coming on the show if he's not straight no he's he's not coming on the show (laughs) about having lost his virginity at age 21 and like you so i think you would love him because like he his whole thing is making up for lost time um I'm not going to have sex with him. I just want to talk to him, okay? I, I want to frame it as a date, but just have a casual conversation. I Last time I saw him, I was like, Brandon, like, you realize you're telling me, like, first and last names of people you've slept with, right? Like, On your podcast? No, it was, like, in person. <laughs> I was like, do they know that? And he was like, I think if you sleep with me, you know I'm going to say your first and last name. And oh I was like, God. damn, okay. Like, Brandon's definitely making it for last time. I think you'll enjoy him. But he's also, like really reminds you of, like, your youth. Like, he reminds you of being 22. Yeah. Um. Anyway, well, oh, Kim and Kanye. Um, oh, but back to like reality TV. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch the. Mo- I mean, we will land this plane. I don't mean to keep you here for an eon, but like I'm trying to like no, get you like- get everything. Meanwhile, Aristotle's hung himself. He is a <laughs> okay. This is too much. This is too much of a good thing. Um, I couldn't watch the most recent season of Vanderpump Rules because I felt like it was like too stupid. It was like it was like they were like, well, we're on Vanderpump. It was like. They weren't even trying anymore. Am I wrong? 
Um, it's like that blown out cartoony phase. I think that they go through, I think they have to go through this before they get crazy. Like where Real Housewives of New York is right now. Oh my God. It's so good. Do you love it? I mean, it's just, it's like they, it's like the episodes hit the meth pipe right before they go on TV. It's amazing. Like every episode of this show has been. Oh, Vanderpump or New York? New York has been such a heightened, bizarre reality. But if you'll remember, New York had a really serious ratings struggle just two, three seasons ago. It did? Yeah. And they were. New York was actually going to be canceled. What? And so I think that what happens is is that these shows go through a period where um, the characters catch up to themselves and they understand what their fame is. Yet they're they're so in on they're so in on the joke that it takes away from the show. But then. Then the per- then they all individually mentally hit a different stride where they're all of a sudden able to be made fun of again without realizing it. Like they have become unaware again. Oh my God, I'm really trying to soak all this in because this matters to me because I'm so invested. Like you have no idea. Wednesday night on Amazon when I watch My Real Housewives, like a day after it's actually yeah. come out on Bravo because I don't have regular TV, is like that's all I need. Like it's I love so it so good. And I'm so glad. And I just I also had all these thoughts where I'm like thinking. Uh, I feel like the men that the the husbands on Real Housewives have to realize that they can't get away with like trying to cheat on their wife by t- encouraging her to be on the show because I feel like that's like a, a, a the Kelsey a, Grammer routine does Kelsey not Gra- work it doesn't anymore. work anymore. But you see all their relationships fucking crumble. Yeah, and I also feel like uh, oh, like now with the girl with the eating disorder and her husband, Jules. that's all Jules is coming out. And I'm excited about her juice line, but also she kind of irritates me. But she's kind of she's real though. She's real. I, I like actually, Jules. Yeah, I'm I'm all over the place with Jules. I hated her at first, and I and I liked to her. Really love her, and then last night's behavior was just so bizarre. I didn't understand that putting a fork in the calzone or whatever, and uh, the lidocaine or all the drugs. I just want Bethany and Carol to realize that it's like fucking tacky and abusive to be to keep focused about on her. her eating disorder yeah. like i mean what jules did was ob- such an obvious dark deep cry for help like yeah. to to ruin the food you're supposed to eat so i mean that is just eating disorder 101 yeah and like bethany hanging a lantern on it every time jules goes out to smoke a cigarette or like you know displays some sort of questionable behavior. i just think it's so as if bethany is as sensitive to eating disorders as she claims to be she should know that she is engaging in some of the most abusive behavior that you possibly could yeah with someone who has an eating disorder i'm thinking ramona is like getting becoming the coolest i feel like she's become the most evolved like she lost mario yeah that fucking piece of shit and uh, anyway we don't bethany know. actually said that when Ramona, when she had her like fibroid thing, which I feel bad, but I just don't care about. Like Bethany's, you don't bleeding. love Bethany. I love Bethany, but I don't care about her fibroids. Okay. Um, but Bethany said that Ramona actually called her every day for six weeks and was like the best friend to her. How after do you know that? that? She said, "I don't watch what happens." Oh, see, I can't. Where do you go watch what happens if you don't have regular cable on Hulu? I had to. Well, they, I think they air on the like, internet. They will. Sh- I think the Bravo TV website has like three up at a time, but I have cable now because you uh because you sold hello giggles no because i was spending so much money on itunes and amazon buying the shows i watch can you tell uh, this is what i do here's what a fucking horrible friend i am <laughs> i i steal my friend's amazon she gave me the code and everything but then i just buy individual episodes of real housewives when i keep being like i'm gonna take you out to dinner i'm gonna take you out to dinner but i think i'm like hundreds of dollars in like I, oh god yeah so i just like i should have bought the Please, whole season buy a season pass. i didn't do it now it's like three dollars an episode also what is this i read about you had an issue with Dane Cook? Oh. Online? I don't know. I was, like, trying to do, like, research and be like, what, what can I find on the internet? And it was, like, you have a – it said, like, Gawker was, like, she has a, she had beef oh. with Dane Cook, who, by the way, is also on Raya. 
Oh, yeah, I saw him on Raya. Um, okay. He never matches with me. What's my problem? And does he come up more than once? I mean, all the time. And I'm just like, it's like a constant reminder that he doesn't want to match with me. I'm just like, get out of here. Polly um, Shore matched with me. Well, I Sorry. like was when I was like coming up, quote unquote, coming up in comedy and like starting to really, really love it. I was in a sketch comedy group called Hello Shovelhead. And Hello Shovelhead? Yeah. Precursor and, to Hello Giggles. Who and, named Hello Giggles? Uh, Actually, I named it Hey Giggles, and then when we typed that into GoDaddy, it said, do you mean Hello Giggles? And you were like, yes, we do. And we were like, yeah, we and do. And $100 billion later. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I think that that is the truth of that story is now out there because I kept repeating it. <laughs> I'm like, GoDaddy gave it to us. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. There's no other story. The origin story is yeah. GoDaddy gave it to us. Go no, li- I don't lie. Um, anyway. Uh, so the Dane Cook thing was like when I was 21, he came to Boston College and uh, did like a stand up thing. And our like our most famous alum was his opener. And so our most famous alum was who was our op- who was Dane's opener, like obviously invited us backstage it was like four of us that were friends still still with him and now like seniors in the group and um dane cook's little dog was running around backstage and i was like sitting on the ground talking to my friend and his little dog came over and was like jumping all over me and it was really cute and then we had to go meet dane cook now i'm like 21 i don't really met anyone famous before i had like been I had seen Dane Cook at the Comedy Connection in Boston like a million times at that t- point. And I was covered in dog hair. And I just said, to, I, like, when we went to meet him, I was like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm covered in dog. He had to put his arm around me for a picture. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm covered in dog hair. We were When we were backstage, like, your dog was jumping on me. He was like, who the fuck let you backstage? And I was like, what? And then he, like, turned to his other opening comedian, like, his tour buddy, and was like, Hey, like, make sure they're not letting people backstage. And I'm like, is this your opener or your assistant? That's really dark. Um, but it was like, I, I basically, it was like, it was a not thing, but it like shut me down and like degraded me in such a weird way. Like, I was so Oof. saddened by it. Like, yeah. I remember we all, my comedy group went to McDonald's after. And I remember I was just like, I can't believe Dane Cook yelled at me. Like, I was just like, I didn't. Like, what, I didn't do anything. And I was, I was like, I mean, I guess maybe I can see, like, why he would think it was weird that we were, but, like, I, he saw that we were with Greg, so I didn't understand why he, I didn't understand why he was so violated by That's about someone him. who was with his opener being in, okay, so anyway. Yeah. Then, I mm-hmm. remember when I was working at Defamer, I had to do these daily videos, and so every day I would have to, like, make something out of nothing and just do a little daily video, usually something in the news, and that day I remember Dane Cook's, like, Employee of the Month came out or something, and we got this email asking us to promote it, and I was like, I absolutely will not promote this, in fact, I'm gonna, like, put you on blast, yeah. so I made this video where I basically just put Dane Cook on blast, and, like, you know, I would say that the internet's reaction to it was pretty 50-50. Like, half the people were like, he was weirded out that you were with his dog. Like, what's the question about that? And then the other half of the people were like, 
that sounds like a really asshole thing, and I can see why you were disturbed by that. So there was, like, no beef between me and Dane Cook at all, except that when I was 21, I had an awkward moment with him, and then one day when I was, like, 23, I had to do something for work yeah. that involved Dane Cook, and I told that story. What about Sinead Grimes? This is also on, on the internet. I love Sinead Grimes. No, no, no. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. So, but, <laughs> no. So back. So this is back when I was doing like red carpet reporting and stuff like that. There was. Uh, we just loved Sinead Grimes at Defamer. Oh wow! I think that was it because nine hundred two one zero had just come out, and we thought it was really, really funny that Spring Awakening um, was like the musical that they were doing at their school. So we all there was no beef. Um, no beef. No beef. In fact, actually, I know another reason why I might be connected to Sinead Grimes on the internet. I ran one of the number one Degrassi message boards on the internet. Why? Uh, in college. She was on Degrassi? I've never seen I Degrassi. I love Degrassi The Next Generation more than anything in life. Whoa. Like, it's the fucking best show that's ever been made. It's so meaningful. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's the most meaningful show ever. And, like, it actually drives me nuts that people would ever call Drake wheelchair Jimmy because Jimmy Brooks was so much more than that wheelchair. The wheelchair did not come out till like season four. It's like blasphemous when people call Jimmy Brooks wheelchair Jimmy. I've like, never seen the show before. I didn't even realize Drake was on the show. Oh, Alexi, you would like love it. Oh, it's God. so good. It's like it's like Canadian Saved by the Bell except they like talk about the real issues, man. Like fucking Ashley. I remember <laughs> Drake's girlfriend Ashley did ecstasy at a party and like I could not believe that they were showing a 14 year old girl doing ecstasy at a party on a children's television show yeah like Degrassi it goes there it that's goes there that's how I feel about original Beverly Hills 90210 oh it's so good I, that's how I learned about rape originally. on 90210 yeah yeah yeah. that was like an episode I had to like fight to watch because for whatever reason my parents were like nowhere <laughs> to be seen were like you can't watch that episode I'm like where where did you guys come from why are you telling me what not to do right now oh man god what else do I want to ask you so many things Wait. is this supposed to be a podcast about like sex and love like did I, I feel like I'm the worst person to talk no, to no this is a tangential journey where I talk to you about you and your feelings and your life are you on antidepressants I take Wellbutrin oh you do how come that one um, it just works because I don't need an SSRI. I need like a well-being stimulant. Like I've been misdiagnosed as ADD a million times. I'm not. I don't have ADD. I'm actually like a super hyper focused person. Yeah. I just have like well-being issues. Like I have uh, something about Wellbutrin. Like makes it really easy for me to get out of bed in the morning. Oh, that's nice. And I just really, I really like it. It um, helps. I mean, it really, it just helps. It helps a lot. Yeah. And I went off it for a while and tried, like, some other stuff, like, some other SSRIs, and it just wasn't good. For, they weren't good. And when I went back to Wellbutrin, I felt like I got back this, like, relationship that I had been missing and brokenhearted about for, like, a year and a half. Like, it was like, oh, my God, I'm back together with my best friend. Like, yeah. It felt so great. And your best friend was you? Wellbutrin. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Ultimately, though, you. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Um Oh, what was I going to talk about? Something about feeling connected and blah, blah. Do you take an antidepressant? I don't take anything. That's I take good. nothing, but I definitely, um, you know, I don't know. I don't Not take anything. Not even for, like, anxiety? You don't? Do you have, like, a Xanny prescription? No, I've never taken Xanax before. Usually it's just me trying to, like, talk myself or go to, go to therapy or I talk myself out of my, my spirals. But I definitely do spiral and I definitely experience depression. And I have, like, like, when you spiral what is it usually about like do you get insecure or like wonder like what are people thinking about me or what are the spirals about and does, is well the only thing that gets you out of it or no no 
You have other no. tools? Um, I, uh, what do I spiral about? I think I spiral, I used to spiral about the idea of being homeless or going to jail a lot. Why? Um, just because I fear those things, um, like in a deep, deep way. Um, I spiral about money. Um, I definitely feel like I have an obese person, like, sitting on my rib cage all the time now that I own a house. Like, it's constant. Oh. I, like, did the math last night on what my monthly income needs to be in order to... Maintain? Yeah. Oh, my and, God. Like, you're stressing me out. It yeah. was really scary. And, like, I, I, I will be okay. Like, I always will be okay because I, when I see a fear like that my way to my way to counteract it is just go to work like yeah. i just start like i just go to work like i will open my computer and start a new project right in that moment um the best thing that i when i go through like and i'm not really good at pulling myself out of moments i'm not really good at that um the way that i can pull back from like a greater spiraling time is to like do a conscious life picture where i like basically write down a list of like how everything in my ideal life looks and then I just do something to put that list into action. Oh, so wow. yeah. Like whether it's open up my Tinder and get back to like four guys that messaged me that I never messaged back. Or if it's like send an email follow up to someone that I've been meaning to work with for a long time. Or if it's um like go grocery shopping and making a batch of chili so that I have healthy food in my kitchen the whole week. Like I try to do some sort of action to put my intentions into motion. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know how I quiet my demons. I don't know. My house is, my new house is really, really relaxing. And there was a period where I was showing up every day after working with my writing partner and being in traffic for 40 minutes and, being like hot and uncomfortable and like sad and, and knowing that I had to go back to my like little studio apartment that was just like too small for me to breathe in. You were living in a studio apartment before you bought your house? Like a loft, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was like a little postage stamp. And like I um was just so suffocated there. And I realized when I pulled up to my house that after like ten minutes of being on the property, I could breathe again and yeah. I was relaxed and my house is in nature, like it's very it's I'm just surrounded by four acres of trees and quiet and I have herbs everywhere and and just light and plants and like that has really brought in a huge element of just chill yeah into my life staying out of bars is good for me staying out of like nightclub situations seeing seeing and listening music is really good for me um but basically, staying out of weird energy is huge for me. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. Like I get just so, I get nauseated by weird energy really easily. Oh, because I mean, oh, wags, wags. Do you think you're an empath though? Because I feel like you you pick up on other people's stuff. Totally. Yeah, I do too. And for a long time, and I still have to call myself out on this. I I'll take responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Like if if I'm around a bunch of people who are like insecure but fronting that they're so secure i get confused and i go oh i must be the i'm i must be the loser or what's wrong with me like i'll i take it all on i cruise direct a whole situation like that's i feel very i'm the exact same way as you if i picture if i sense that anyone is uncomfortable for any reason i make it my personal mission to remedy the situation yeah. at my own expense all the time like no nah, like not not 
giving to the point that I am losing is is like a new idea for me. Oh, that's and great. And I'm yeah. really, really trying to work on that because I have constantly found myself like cramped, uncomfortable, like in a situation where I feel like I'm up against a wall. And um, and I realize I, I half the time I realize I've done it to myself. Like I, this is a series of me saying yes to things that I should have said no to. Oh my god, yeah, like all that stuff. And I'm trying to just get a little bit better about that. Um, oh god, is this podcast one of those things? Because we're nearly done. I swear to God, but I'm gonna I'm ringing. No, dry. I okay, actually no. This is great. I'm I'm so I was so happy to come and talk to you. I think that this I've also haven't really left the house. Since, you have like, wags. Well, it's got so attacked. calm over there. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, wags, and it's calm and nice over there. It's really nice. So when when you asked me to come do this, I was like, fuck yeah, I'll leave the house for you, girl. Are you kidding? But what? Totally. But with the, with the two drunk girls, I just want to make sure I, I cross all my T's and dot all my I's and don't leave any stone unturned. But uh, why was why did you have to get out of there? Like, why why did you distance yourself from uh, Hello Giggles? And why did you leave Two Broke Girls? Like, what? I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm proud of you for, like, following your intuition or being like, I can't do this. But I want to know, like, why? Well, it's it's actually quite simple. Like, I was 30 years old and I had spent three years working on a brand that ultimately furthered a very successful person, which was Zoe and Sophia. I mean, Sophia, less, much less so. But, like, you know, everything that happened under Hello Giggles needed to fall under something that wasn't going to be disgraceful to Zoe, which is, like, you know, that is that is a limitation. You know, and I love limitations, but it's a limitation. Limitations are great because they show you everywhere you can go from there. But, um uh, it was a limitation. And then, you know, a network sitcom is also a limitation. And it was another person's vision, another person's voice. And between doing that at night and doing that all day long after three years at the age of 30 years old, like I basically felt like I had emotionally taken on the role that I don't think if I had kids and I was 45 years old, I don't think I would care as much about feeling checked out of my personal vision but I felt like at 30 years old, I had given up like too much of my, you know, I don't write for money. Like I went into a job interview shortly after the Hello Giggles sale and someone said like, well, would you even want to write on this show? I mean, do you need the money? And I was like, I actually don't write for money. Like I need, I need a job and I love a job, but like, I never thought, oh, you know, what'll be a great way to make money like burying my fucking soul on paper and like learning formulas and like write that and that never that is not a good way to make money so I'm like it if like it kind of started to like offend my sensibilities that I was sitting in a room and taking money in exchange for this job that wasn't serving my soul and that I don't know that if I was serving it anymore because it just I didn't even know who I was like mm-hmm. I couldn't be like the molly i was hired to be because that molly was fucking dead like because she i di- i didn't get to like fucking put my feet on the ground and absorb negative ions and i didn't get to like you know truly have like a great laugh at like an amazing paragraph of writing i didn't get to have that anymore and because i had removed all of the things in my life that gave me those simple pleasures and so i needed to step away from it and start to reinfuse healthy, simple pleasures back into my life. And I think a big way for me to do that was to, like, um, admit some sort of emotional defeat and, like, not – and say, like, okay, like, making a paycheck is not is not serving me at this in this way. Like, do, working on a company, putting my time and energy and creative 
effort into a company that ultimately is not speaking to my voice was was it was huge it was just too much it was too much there was no relief and like that is a really wonderful phenomenal position to find yourself in I have to say like to feel that so many good things happen that I couldn't take it and I do struggle with like I said this on a podcast recently like I struggle with the fact that that felt like flying too close to the sun for me like I struggle with the fact that like basically having an emerging business and writing on a TV show was like, that's too much for me. Like, I like to think I'm stronger than that. But after years and years of struggling um, to have so many things go right and then to have all of those things be something that, you know, took part of my heart, just I there was nothing left of me and I needed to rebuild. And on the other side of three years, like, I am... I have rebuilt. Like, I am so proud of this show that I'm writing. I, like... And I have never been so proud of something that I've written before. And I am so proud of the podcast that I'm working on right now. I think that I have two two that are going to be unveiled, like, in the next couple months. And I'm just so excited about that. And I feel that I have found a new – I found a way to have my starving artist life with while still monetizing it. And it's, like, somehow all met in the middle. But, I mean – I was just emotionally barren. There was nothing left. Like, there was nothing left of me. There was not... It's not a slight to Two Broke Girls. It's not a slight to Hello Giggles. It's not, you know... And I'm sure if you were to ask another person that wasn't me, they would have a completely different answer for you about why I couldn't handle it or what the situation looked like. But for me personally, I was breaking inside and I didn't have the strength. It's so interesting. I just didn't have the strength. And I... Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. You know, it's such an interesting thing how it's like... It sounds like a dream, like to work on a TV show and blah and get these things, and then when you feel, oh wow, I'm I'm still not happy, or this isn't as fulfilling as it as maybe you would think as on as it as it would as it sounds on paper, you know, it's such mm-hmm. a yeah. I, I deal with the same thing where I go, oh my god, but what I have this idea of like what I want to be doing or what I should be doing because what it would if because it would look like a certain thing uh, and make it look like I'm successful. But ultimately, it's like, but what really makes me happy? Like me having a conversation for like two and a half hours with you in here and like getting really deep and talking about like feelings and life and whatever, Vanderpump rules and love and dating and all this stuff. Like this makes me happy. I make no money from this. Like this is just like, right. you know, it's like, and so I'm, I'm, that's what I try to tune into is like, okay, well, what, what makes this life feel fulfilling and what makes me happy? And then, you know, hopefully try to make money doing that thing so I can buy what I need, which doesn't involve Louis Vuitton. but like you know and find the balance of all this stuff because it's so interesting what we think we want for ourselves and what might make us so happy and and then you get it and you're like oh wait but i'm i'm totally miserable yeah i I mean look i don't feel like i'm not even gonna lie like i don't think it's hard because it's not professionally intelligent for me to talk about this stuff like it's not professionally intelligent for me to say that I had an uncomfortable experience in either starting a company or existing in a writer's room after a certain point that's not smart for my career but like it's also that is like that's the that is the very simple truth and like it's not anything more or less than that like I just had a I just hit a personal breaking point that I you know, one of those things, starting a company or writing on a show for the very first time is enough for one person as it is. Those are already huge, like, goals to accomplish yeah. and huge life things to embark on. Um, 
And I, but you know, if I didn't just say the truth, which was that I was a little, I was emotionally exhausted, like the, the, re, the facts exist out in the universe and people can draw their own conclusions. And so I would rather the real conclusion, which was just that I was, I was overextended. And like, I don't think anyone can fault me for that. No one is. That, that was, I just feel weird because it's like, it's not, you're not supposed to talk about this stuff. You're really not so, like, first of all, legally, you're not supposed to talk about, I'm not supposed to talk about anything. Um, but it's just not, you're not supposed to talk about why you leave your company or why you leave a very successful job. And, and, the reality of me having that job and then not having that job and me being involved in my company and not being involved in my company, they both exist out in the universe. And so that all that does is leave people to have conclusions. And so I find myself in the very odd position of feeling like, yes, I need to answer your question honestly when you ask me. But I also I like I, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't know. You're not I'm, saying anything bad. Though. That's the thing. It's like all I'm getting from what you're saying is it didn't work for you and you yeah. are courageous and brave enough to be like, this is not working for me. I'm going to try it a different way. But you're not talking shit about anybody. You, you, you said nothing bad about any of those people. All no, I know. Yeah. I just don't want to even paint myself to be the type of person. I realize that we all sometimes do this and, and I definitely saw this in Bethany getting married, Bethany ever after. Like you see someone like paint themselves as underexperienced or crazy or um, unconventional and then they live in that identity and they live in that that label or that they've put on themselves when they're being self-aware like the last thing I would want to do is hurt the rest of my career because this calls back a little bit to what I was talking about at the top of the show in a way I wish that I hadn't had all of that one-time success, crazy one-time success at the age of 27 after being broke and not, you know, being from a single-parent household and having, like, being super dyslexic and, like, not... I don't want to wear my story, but the reality of me not being fully prepared for the adult world is the truth. Like, I was not fully prepared for the adult world at the age of 27, and when I was thrust into it, I couldn't fucking handle it. But at the same time, I don't want to paint myself as a 32-year-old woman. Like, that is not my reality now. And I I definitely try to talk about my growth because I think that it's important for my own sanity. But I also think it's really important that people know that I'm not I'm not 22 anymore. I'm not 27 anymore. I'm not the girl from Defamer videos. I am still malls from the internet. But like I have never like I've just been growing up this entire 10 years that I've been in LA. I've been growing up and like I don't want my legend to be like this is molly at 24 like this is molly at 27 this is molly at 30 like molly at 32 is a different person i feel like i've earned the title of adult human now yeah and i never had that before i know what you mean so, yeah i don't know i i went through periods even with the with the showtime thing when i when i sold the thing i was like i don't even know i don't know if i can handle i don't even know what this means i don't know what this i was so confused like uh, synapses where I weren't firing my uh, things were connecting. I only feel like my frontal lobe is only just formed like two weeks ago or something. Right. And finally, I'm like, oh, okay. I now I know how to put the pieces together as far as doing whatever it is in my life. And I, you know, I'm 35. Like I, at 21, at, at 27, when I, when I sold the thing, I was, yeah, I didn't. And yeah. then other people are, are, are capable. They can do it. That's, you know, and that's great. But yeah, for me, and it shouldn't even matter what other people are thinking of you or what they might be thinking. Of. That's another thing. It's just like, fuck all of that. It's good that you're aware and you have a self-awareness, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it's like, 
Yeah. You're just like, okay, Wags. All right, Wags. Anyway, oh it's my god. It's just scary to think about how much damage you can accidentally do to yourself and then think about all the damage that other people can do to you when you've accidentally done, done damage to yourself and realize you've handed them this baton to, like, hurt your feelings. What are you talking about, though? I just mean that, like... Who are these people? A- anyone. Like, anyone in your life. Like, any for any any business connection, any friendship that's gone awry. Any, like, we all have broken relationships in our lives. Yeah. Our lives are full of broken relationships. It's just the reality. Like, you're not always going to be with anyone. And so I feel like sometimes it just feels, I think that that is something I spiral out about. The weird toxicity of knowing that there's broken relationships in the world and over that in my life and in my world and over assigning meaning to them and over assigning what those people are able to do to me. Yeah, that's why, again, it goes back to other things we talked about earlier where it's like you just have to do all the work internally. Yeah. You have to, like, let it go, not care, listen to these self-help tapes or whatever it is, go to therapy and just, like, let it all go, like, and handle it internally. and Because, yeah, because it feels out of control. It feels uncomfortable because you're like, oh, my God, these people think this of me or they don't think this of me or I don't know what they think of me or... Oh my god! I did this thing. What is it? It's like well, it feels violating because it's like I give out of people good things with good intentions. Yeah. I know I don't. I'm a full blown idealist. Like I literally have realized this more and more. I don't have a bad bone in my body. Yeah. I really fucking don't. You probably only get defensive if somebody's mean to you. Completely. That's how I am exactly. Completely. Yeah. And I wrote a text to someone this year that was like so vile and crazy. Like literally. Like I was like. Well, I was like, congratulations on being on my shit list forever. Like, just so you know, the only time I ever rooted for you was when so-and-so was fucking your ex-boyfriend. Like, I sent a crazy ass, like, I gutted this chick. Okay. But only because she made me cry. Like, she walked up to me and said something to me that was so deeply personal and felt like a violation. And I was like, you have taken something that I handed to you or to the internet or to whomever with an open heart and open hands and you have taken it and you bastardized it and used it against me and made me cry. So now you have to fucking go down. And, like, that is what I think... I fear is that I give people the best I can with open with an open heart and like open hands and when it gets used against me I get I'm just shocked yeah Yeah. like it's more other people that I am afraid of I'm afraid of other people that's how I I totally know you mean but the way in which you live your life which is very similar to me make yourself very vulnerable yeah it's a beautiful way to live your life but you totally take that chance of being like Somebody's gonna fucking hate me. I'm gonna. Oh, Lexi talks so much. She's so fucking insecure. She's so she's boy crazy. She fucks all these. Do- whatever their thing. I know what people could say about me, or, or I'm irritated, or I'm annoying, whatever. Yeah, and that's a very scary thing. Is it's like sometimes people are gonna love you for the way you are, and other people, are, and other times other people are just gonna fucking hate it and annihilate you. But that's why. I swear to God, all the internal work. I'm, I'm not. You're not asking for advice. You give advice. You're not asking no, for advice. No, I love but, it. No, but all, I need it. But this is what I have to practice for myself, and I feel like we're so similar. Where it's like. When people are mean or that happens, I just have to go, well, that really hurt my feelings or okay. Or like that's or that's about the yeah. other person and their need to make me feel a certain way or why are they so pissed about it? Or you just have to like let it go internally and, and I don't know, this book, The Untethered Soul. Like nothing matters. We're all just going to die. Nothing matters. You know, ugh, I don't know. It's like and how quickly you can like snap out of it and not be affected by things is, yeah. like, is, is, like, is like the trick that I'm trying to learn to like not be affected by anything. Right. But it's like, it's so much easier said than done. But yeah. I feel like people are usually just mean to people or weirded out by people when they're too stupid to understand it or like don't have the compassion in their hearts to take the time to understand it. And that is a very comforting thing. 
like if you can just literally boil it down to like you're not a compassionate person or you lack the emotional intelligence to try and understand something that challenges you like that is a really scary and shitty way to live your life this could either be like this could also be like attributed to like uh, commenters on the internet because i know sometimes when i'm feeling a little bit too vulnerable a little bit too like uh sensitive yeah somebody will write something on my instagram and they'll be like blah blah blah. it's just something horrible to me and how much they don't like me or get they get mad at me and my instant reaction will be like you are a fucking moron like and I'll, i'll like write that out and then i'll be like oh my god i'm so embarrassed i just like showed my cards that I was affected. Like, yeah. Like, uh, and then I've got to remind myself, like, I'm the one who dictates how I feel about something. I'm the one who decides if I'm going to get sucked in and, and respond and react and, like, let that matter to me. Or I can be like, oh, that person doesn't like me, but, uh, all right. And just, like, anyway, and then I delete the call. Anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling all over I the place. I would never but... write you a text like that. I just want you to I, know Listen, that. I feel free. <laughs> and then you know what? You write it to me, and it's it's up to me how I react to it and how I feel about it. And that's, that's on me. Anyway, <laughs> listen, we got we to gotta land yes, this goddamn plane. my car's probably you, like, I'll pay for the ticket. If you got a ticket, I'll they pay don't, for they're it. They're not going to tell me, right? If you got towed, I won't pay for that. But if you got a ticket, I'll pay for that. Just but uh, the tow yard. Okay. Um, oh, God, we talked about this. Uh, you, do you want to get married and have kids? Uh, Fire round questions. I used to want to a lot, but now I now I don't feel that as much. Yeah, I'm okay with actually. If I don't end up having kids, I think I might be okay with it. I really want them, but I but I don't want them so For badly the that I would have kids with someone that is going to ruin my life and theirs. You know what I mean? I like your style. Nice. Uh, uh, what do you think happens when you die? Wait, I believe am in I just heaven. like stealing questions from? Is this like what? Am I just stealing questions from? Oh my god! What, I can't do what? this. I I come up with questions and now I'm like doing fire. I'm copying. What's his name? I can't remember right now. I I'm hold on. Wait, tell me. Oh yeah, now I'm like copying Pete Holmes podcast oh wait fake laughing at google sleep well it's not on the list it looks i'm not looking at uh, it's not on the list right here this room i'm not allowed to ever ask anybody what happens when they die what do you think i think you go to heaven i think yeah i believe in heaven this is just uh i just love pete holmes sorry i guess uh this is a real question okay um, i've only listened to his podcast like once so i don't know the question so you can tell me i won't um they're new to me anyway whatever so you want to get you think you want to get married uh, I, if, if I find the right, it's all about finding the right person. I used to, I actually said to someone recently that the company selling completely changed my views on marriage and children. I always thought I really, really wanted them. And then as soon as I realized that I have something that other, someone can take from me, <gasps> uh, I decided I just, it's, it's, I need the right person. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to date a guy who potentially is dating me because I have a house. I don't want to date a guy that wants to be with me because he thinks I'm more financially secure than I am because the reality of it is it would not be a smart business move to marry me for the sake of my quote-unquote money. But don't women do that to men all the time? Yes. And that that is what illuminated that for me is that I wondered if secretly deep down my my desire for marriage and children – was more about my desire Safety. for security. Yeah, you're so right. Oh my God. Think about that, women. Money men changed listening. it all. Like, yeah. money changed it all. And we had a girl call the podcast recently saying that her best friend stopped talking to her because her husband decided, like, she, her best, this girl called saying she bought a Steve Buscemi pillow, like a Steve Buscemi body pillow. I gotta get one of those. For her best friend because they love Steve Buscemi. And then her fiancé was so threatened by the Steve Buscemi body pillow that he threw the body pillow out and told his fiancé that she's not allowed to talk to her best friend who bought her the pillow anymore. So this girl fully lost a best friend 
and spend a bunch of money on a Steve Buscemi body pillow that never, that wound up in the trash. And by the way, they're in South Africa. And that made me really upset because I feel like that was not made in South Africa. That was probably made in America and shipped to South Africa. So it's way more expensive. Oh my God, I need one. And it just really, it it spoke to me because I said, I feel like if your friend was making better money and was more happy in her career, she wouldn't wouldn't even be in this relationship. She's only not speaking to you because she's insecure in her career and money. I Okay, this makes me feel... A lot of feelings I can't quite express. It's okay. I will come back. We'll do it another time. We'll do it another time. But even dating this guy, and I, I'm going to this, I promise. But even dating this guy, and he was like, oh, you're older than me. You might want kids, you know, because it's such a weird age to be 35, blah, blah. And I was just like, I told my mom about that. My mom was like, just everybody relax. Just you're, you're meeting each other. You're falling in love. You're getting to know each other. Who cares? And I also just realized, I was like, I don't want to have to uh, talk about a kid or whether or not I want a kid that I've don't know I ever do want if I do want or, or I, I don't know it's just like yeah I just want to be happy and let that just happen naturally and not be like I gotta do it I'm a woman I'm panicked like it's just you know I would just feel so selfish like when I think about having like a four-year-old kid that can talk back to me and like has thoughts and opinions and stuff and thinking like if they ever looked at me and thought why did this bitch give me a cut rate life like I would I would feel so bad I couldn't do that to another person yeah like even thinking about wags feeling ever neglected or slighted, like that hurts my feelings. So I can't think about ever providing a kid with like less than a, like the best possible life I could provide for them. Meanwhile, just I just toss my cat aside. I'm just like, <laughs> somebody take my cat. I've had him for a week. I can't do it anymore. Anyway, thank you for talking to me. I'm going to pay for your ticket. I promise. It's fine. I really, I, I have faith I won't have one. Yeah. I'm talking to my muses. Thank you so much. Thank Alexi. you. I love, say- I love seeing you. So I love seeing really you great. too. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you, honey. Now leaving Nerdist.com.